0: Welcome to the Spicy PL Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Spicy PL Podcast. This is episode 35 with Mr. Athletic over everything, Mr. Jason Mike. Welcome.
1: What's the deal? What's the deal? What's the deal?
0: What's going on? As always, we got James Marcotte, a.k.a. Peachy Boy. What up? And the one and only... Big Joe Capolino. What's up?
2: Got my Mr. AOE hat on. Before
0: yeah. we get started, you know, the podcast is sponsored by Quest Nutrition and Athletics, so go check them out. And uh, you can see we got, I got my J Mike AOE gear on because J Mike hooked us up. So go check out Mr. Athletic over everything. He's got a couple IGs, we'll, uh, we'll link them. And uh, J Mike, welcome aboard. Thank you for
1: having me. Thank you for having What's
2: me. the website, J Mike, Mr. Athletic over Um,
1: athletic over com. Athletic dot com.
2: Like, uh, we talked about a few episodes with James Vang, uh, a few episodes ago. The, uh, stuff is super high quality and J Mike makes a nice package, hooks everybody up. So, um, check him out, man. It's really high quality stuff. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We just wanted to support the brand after we met him. And actually we checked out the website. He had some really nice stuff on there and, we ordered it, and he threw in some goodies. You know, I don't know if you do that for everybody. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe we're not that special. But he takes real good care of the customers, and he's got some nice stuff out there. The quality
1: is is really nice, so check him out. Now, I hook people, I do hook people up, though. It just depends on uh, like you know, I have sponsorships and stuff like that. I'm sponsored by uh, T Taz, and they supply with tea, so sometimes I might send tea in the order. Um, I have a really good relationship and sponsorship with Lockjaw Collars. So, I, you know, I, they send me like crap loads of collars. So sometimes I'll send some out if, you know, if they spend over 70 bucks or something like that. Um, but I really respect the fact Joe wouldn't let me give it to him for free. I was trying to give it to him for free because and we'll, we'll probably get into that a little bit later. I kind of had Joe a little bit wrong. So that was almost <laughs> like an olive branch, you know, coming from me. You know what I'm saying? But he refused to let me give it to him for free, so I had to give him a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card.
2: That yeah. was sick, man. And honestly, the collars, you can see we're in our home gym, and oh, yeah. we are always doing stupid shit, and we don't have enough like, actually safe collars. So those collars are real nice. I love the collars.
1: Yeah, those the ones with the magnet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's, the, that's sick.
1: That's their new ones. So that those are pretty cool. Yeah.
2: Well, anyway, J. Mike, we want to talk about you a little bit and we'll talk some stupid shit soon because I know you got some great stories we already heard from you and we were like, we got to get you on the podcast. But um, like, you know, a lot of equip lifters listen to our podcast and, you know, they probably do know you because you're an uh, international bench superstar. But for anybody that doesn't know Jay Mike, even though he's super young looking, he's 43 years old, right? Yeah, yeah, 49. And uh his best personal best as an M1 raw lifter are a 749 squat, um 619 and a half bench and a 771 deadlift. And the 619 bench is obviously the master one world record, um USAPL uh American record for M1. Um and you briefly held the uh the open world record, right?
1: 7 days seven <laughs> days
2: yeah yeah so j mike hit it at master worlds and uh you know a few uh a week later at um raw worlds who was that the big algerian dude hit it
1: yeah yeah the dude's a savage he
2: that was straight. crazy do you own the um the open american full meat record
1: yeah i still yeah i still have that um for now but uh yeah so hopefully i'm trying to you know add to it so but uh it says 619 still 0.5
2: yeah that's what we got man that's insane and uh you know one of the things when we we sat down in fort collins i like had to know i had to know how you train and like how you how you recover from your training and like basically if you follow j mike you just see he's benching heavy all the time doing high rep sets 450 for 10 trying 500 for 10 crazy shit like that a lot of singles over 600 pounds i know you started counting um kind of generally just like, you know, if I, if I train like that, I think I, my arms would fall off. Can you just give me like a little breakdown of like what you do to recover or how you feel, how often you bench super heavy and stuff like that?
1: Okay. Uh, this, this actually started in college, like way back in I graduated in 2001 or something like that. So, um, I, I, I played college baseball and never really wanted to play football, but they always wanted me to play football. Um, I wound up working out with a bunch of guys. I was getting ready for the NFL combine. Uh, at the time, I was a model. Like, you might seem kind of weird now, but, you know, I was doing, I was like under 200 pounds.
2: Bro, I've uh, seen the photos.
1: All yeah, I, I did bodybuilding. About, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, all, all <laughs> I cared about was girls. You know what I'm saying? I didn't care about lifting heavy and all that. But one of the guys was like, look, I just need somebody to spot for me. So I started going to the gym with. With them, and it was like five guys getting ready for the combine. And they used to do this thing where they would do 100 reps of 225. They would put $100 in the pot, and whoever finished 100 the fastest took the pot. Now, when I first started, I couldn't do it nowhere near 100 reps. Um, so I would go in there, watch them, and then when they finished, I would go in there and start practicing. Well, I realized I was able to get to 30 minutes, do it in 30 minutes. At the time they were doing it in like 12, 13 minutes. And it was always back and forth between those guys. And they would just basically interchange money. But one day I get in there and I do it for nine and I didn't have an extra hundred dollars to lose like that, you know, I played pool professionally and all that kind of stuff too. So I used to make my little money playing pool and stuff like that, but I, I really needed to pay rent. So I was like, I'm gonna wait until next week. And I'm gonna surprise them with the fact that I can do this these reps for a hundred or whatever fast. Well, I wound up doing it for like eight minutes and took all the money. So now the money has never gone. <laughs> yeah. It never, took, never left my hands. So over the years, I just started doing 225 for 100 reps every day. And I did it every day for almost 16, 17 years where I would literally go to the gym and do 100 reps of 225. Now, what happened is, is that I got to the point where it became push ups. So if someone told you they did 100 push ups a day, you wouldn't wink an eye. You'd just be like, oh, okay, whatever. That's kind of what I turned 225 into. And then from there, that's how I, I came into my men's program that I do now. I have created an, a crazy amount of resistance and being able to recover. Um, now, I know some of it is, uh, you know, genetic or something like that. I, I, I'm very bad at taking care of myself. Uh, I have all the TheraGuns and air, air compression units. I have everything. Like if you name it, I have it for rehab, but I don't do it but uh, Same. the sixth wave, the kind of the sixth wave thing, what I started is I was like, you know what? Um, fi- I find out where I'm at. So say for instance, I just was benching 600 pounds. I did it for hundred and some reps over the last you know, three years, but I hit the hundred and after I hit the hundred, I've been dead. Like I literally broke down and I'm like, I got impingements now. I never had these issues, but I had to tear down the entire bench. Like, so I'm back at square one. So I started at 385 for 10 for two sets. Um, and then I moved up five pounds per set for the next week. And currently I'm at 430, I believe for 10. And they're comfortable, but I've built that in over time. So if I was doing this with someone else, they might, their their 10 might start with, you know, if you're a decent bencher, let's say it starts at 285 for 10. And the thing is, is getting comfortable and training your bar path. I believe in training your bar path instead of doing other accessories. I don't do no accessories. Actually, I just train the flat. I do it with long extended pauses. I do them with feet up, and I I that's pretty much it. And and what I try to do is master where the bar is supposed to be. So with me, if the if I'm training the line from my my sternum to my chin. I'm building strength strength within that range. I don't worry about all the other things. Now, I said that, you know, I don't do accessories on bench and everybody was like, oh my God, that's bull. Like he has to do something. It's like, nah. I literally left untested powerlifting with a 545 pound bench and came to tested powerlifting and my bench was 620. I think my best is 628 in in my garage or whatever. I did that doing it this way, linear progression, uh, learning what to look for. So like, uh, I know I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going off line with I'll y'all. No, going. this is this great. This is good. Um, like with me and when I look at my athletes, I don't give them programs like that. I'm literally watching them. Like, and I'm seeing what I see that I, I want to work on with them in terms of if they're jump starting the bench, if they're too loud, uh, loud for me is, your body moving all over the place or you're, you're too much movement in your hips i'm looking for Please. very specific yeah. things, and i even know when i'm off because you know my floor like my setup was kind of uh i moved it and it was off balance so i was dealing with floor issues and stuff like that it being off balance by two inches because of the slope and i think that's kind of probably another reason why i probably messed my shoulder but it's very specific things that i'm looking at so i don't do uh like, programming that's, like, very, uh, like, I couldn't just give you your work for the next month. I couldn't do it. I, I'm literally going on what I see. Um, I go in and out of waves um, where, let's say, I had a, one of my guys, he's a strong guy. He's, like, 160-some pounds. He's benching over 400 pounds, uh, um, Tony Whitley, and he he's one of those guys where he's very loud. Like, his, 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 his feet are tucked all the way back towards his shoulders, and he's trying to go fast when I, or, or speed reps, but sometimes he's going too fast. And, um, you know, me being a, a baseball player, I always use this analogy in a sense, is that sometimes if, you know, I threw 90 miles an hour, but sometimes 90 miles an hour was too fast for my control. Like I needed to probably be around. 86. Yeah, you can
3: overswing or overthrow or. Yeah, yeah so I actually, I, I used to play do. baseball too. And uh, Ted Williams in the Ted Williams book, The Science of Hitting. He said that you mm-hmm. need to swing a baseball bat as fast as you can under control. Mm. And that's kind of exactly what you're talking about.
1: That's exactly what I mean. So sometimes I think that's what that's what uh, a lot of guys do. And a lot of the bigger benchers all do that too. Like if you look at, uh, I don't want to say names, but there, there are some guys who are all-time world record holders on bench, and they do things that disconnect them from the bench. And you'll see stuff like where the bar touches their chest And then the elbow swings back, then swings up and they scoop the weight up. And it's one of those things where they become disconnected. So basically, they're doing a pin press at a certain point. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, for me, I'm looking and I try to teach people kind of what I'm thinking. Like sometimes I'll put and I get this a lot of times from equip guys or uh, West Side guys. That is not a speed rep. You know, I guess you've supposed yeah, to look I've like honestly
2: seen you argue with people in your comments about <laughs> what a speed rep is. And I was like, yeah, and I'm stupid. I, I, I actually
1: <laughs> argue with him and I'm like, <laughs> and a speed rep, a speed rep with me is more about what my intention is. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know sometimes like I might drag away or you hear guys like um, like uh, Sean Noriega or uh, David Wilson. David Wilson sometimes will squat and he'll say that's an RP six and it'll look like death. <laughs> and I just like this dude's crazy, right? But, but then over years of me watching him, and also I've competed with him for best lifter a bunch of times down here. I actually can understand, I actually understand when he's like, Oh, I'm like, he he crushed that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, how do you tell an elite lifter what they're what they're saying or what they're trying to do? If anything, if someone said to him, like, hey man, I'm coming from a west side background, and typically when you do a speed rep, you look really ridiculous going fast, like. <laughs> Well, what control, are you interpreting control. that as? You know what I'm saying. So for yeah. me, I wish people did that, but instead, sometimes it depends on like how I'm feeling. If you know, I'm feeling like I ain't get reposted or something, I'm on one. <clears> then I'm gonna <throat> let them have it. You know what I'm saying. So it's just- <laughs> what <laughs>
0: percentage? What percentage of your one rep max do you work with for speed reps?
1: Mm. Shit, damn, that's funny. Um, I would say, I would say typically the first week of a wave so so basically how how i've designed um the the bench coaching or the bench technique that i use you know when you first start off with 10 it should be something so say for instance you told me you bench 315 for 10 you may start your wave at 250 right so with 250 what typically what happens is you know you lift way more so you probably will try to show out like trying to show me that this is way too light for you. But after you do these hundred reps (laughs) and all these other little things start to attack you, you're like, wait a minute, this ain't what I thought it was. So it's like, as you get into the process, you're gonna fail. I try to catch you before you fail. I don't wanna get you to the point where you miss the ninth across your throat. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like if I can catch it where I'm looking at it and I'm not good with RPE, but like if you if I feel like you know you would need like a, a D low week to catch that next week, I'll pull wave. And typically the eight wave is the quickest wave because it's it's still taxing. So a lot of times guys will only stay there a week or two. But when they drop, they're dropping to a five. So that five is where you're gonna eat at because you're going from that 10 that typically that eight wave only lasts a week, and now you've dropped your weight three reps, no five reps and you're probably haven't gained more than 10 pounds in actual weight that you're adding to the bar so that weight should speed up again so once we get from the 10 and also the stroke that i use for my higher reps are much different than i'd use on my fives and threes my fives and threes you'll see that everything kind of slows down i lock out much much more and I typically start to add in those death reps or those long extended pauses, um, closer to getting closer to that one rep max. But it's more or less how I feel in terms of um, percentage wise, I don't look at it too much because guys would tell me like, dude, you know you're at like 85% like all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, I don't yeah. look at it like that because I want to say something like really artsy shit. Like I see I see the bench like colors, like, you know what I'm saying? like." You know, Just it's like feel it. you don't Just think about it. the weight it becomes the weight becomes default right so mm-hmm. if you're going one plate one red two red three red four red then what you know what i'm saying my then what changes right out my then what would be uh a black so that's the that? 15 a 10 15 that's a 10 right so then after that becomes default then it moves to a yellow. So yellow's a fifteen, right? Yeah, yellow's yep. a fifteen. Mm-hmm. But from yellow, I've always gone the the one point, the one point five. Is that one point five? One point two five. And then I jump to a two point five, and then the blue. The blue changes the mentality. So now the blue seems like it's heavy. So it's like everything else than a blue. And that's when things get more tedious. I don't know if that answers it, kind of, but it's like. It's one thing that I've never benched 600 pounds in gym plates. Every time I've tried, I miss. I, I would try to with Johnny Candido and Johnny has no, Johnny can't spot to save his life. That was like one of the crazy experiences. I've I do remember died. Yeah. But when he, I didn't understand like why Johnny was like, look, we're going to do this with gym plates. Cause gym plates looks more impressive, yeah. but I've trained my bench to the point to where I guess my body actually knows where the weight, where the plates are supposed to be. And when they don't feel like that, I, I'm i just not very good. The day I missed the 600 with Johnny that morning, I woke up and bent 600 and I missed 600 with Johnny with the gym plates. So it's just like, it's, it's kind of weird, but I do work at a high level though. So I guess that's. Long yeah, way I, think,
2: I think the important thing is we can't gloss over what I'm really interested. You said like for 16 years, you did 225 for hundred reps every day. And that shit is yep. just crazy. And I remember, I don't know if you know who Ryan Keneally is.
1: Oh, of he, course I do, yeah. The, uh, he always does this shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. but like, when he had a big DVD, like, you know, wrote to the Arnold Monster. he was really popular like, you know, maybe 15 years ago, because he benched 650 raw, he benched uh, 1050 in a multiply shirt. But he said, he's like, you know, when I was a kid, when I was 15 through 18, I just benched 315 for reps like five times a week. And he's like, that was probably fucking stupid or maybe it worked out in the long run. Like maybe it does like you're young and you're just like accumulating crazy volume and recovery and resistance to training. And then like you end up being a fucking beast because not a lot of people can survive that shit. So I, I think that's like really interesting. And like your whole training program, it's like a really unique approach. Like I get in fights with people cause I still program based off percentages and I don't mm-hmm. do a lot of heavy singles. I do a lot of just volume work at like, you know Medium percentages Or whatever you want to call them average. You know Like You know Middle intensities And stay in the same range And then Ramp up Whatever But I get in arguments with people all the time Why, why aren't we using RPE Or why don't you use RPE And I'm like That's not the way I want to train That's not the way I, I believe And whatever And I think it's to the point where now percentage training, like we're unique now and you don't even base your shit off percentages. You have your own unique way, which I think is super cool. I don't all these kids think like the way they train or coach um, is like the only way to do it. But I think it's great. So if you are Wait, a bench say, specialist, check out Big Mike. Check out J. Mike's coaching.
1: What what what, is, what are the weight classes of the people you're arguing with? Like, I'm not going to lie. If you're under 100 kilos, I hate you. And I've never yeah. was like that. <laughs> But they're, they're, they're very aggressive and very like, you're telling me about your coach and his programming. And I, I like, I wouldn't even, I don't even run into their numbers nowhere near my, in my warm-up. So don't <laughs> like, it's like one of those things where um, someone was telling me, like asking me about the approach. And if you ask me about the approach, I'm more, I love talking. I'll tell you about the approach. But when you start telling me what my coach says and he coaches, such and such, and and they're sponsored by such and such, and I'm just like, like you're about to get finished, dude. Like you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of I get it, um, and I've learned that the way I do it is not going to work for everyone. It's not mm-hmm. right. But what I found is is that uh, I, I I trained with uh, I actually had I've had two coaches, and um, I had a guy named <laughs> a guy named Ryan Reynolds who was the old school uh, equipped, geared up guy. Geared up, geared up for real. Geared and he's up, the one that up. got me into powerlifting. Yeah. Double and, gear. Yeah, du- oh, double gear, that's a yeah. good fire. He was like, he was, he got me into powerlifting and he was trying to coach me out of a book that was from the 70s. And I, when I first benched 500, I literally benched 500 for like the next six months. I didn't get any better. And I went to a couple of meets and just kept benching the same thing. And I'm like, bro, this isn't working. And when I took control over my coaching, my bench went through the roof, but the person who gets the credit for my bench improvement, is Steve Goggins, of all people, uh, when I had my little issue with the US, USPA,
2: the drug-tested drug tested King of yeah. USPA, <laughs> <laughs> which is a fucking joke.
1: <laughs> Steve, uh, Steve Goggins saved my life. Like he, he literally saved me from myself and then he fired me all in the same stroke because uh when all that happened he started working with me and I'm like I really don't want to mess with my bench. I'm benching 565 without any coaching. But he was like but you could bench 600 one day. He said but you you're going to kill yourself. He said you bench every day. I told him literally one day he he uh he saw a post and he said that wasn't on the program. I said, yeah, but I had a really good day today. So I wanted to celebrate. So he was like, all right, you know, all right. So then he wrote some other stuff down and I had a bad day and I was like, man, I had a really bad day. And he says, so you went bench, right? So I was like, he was like, all right. So we were getting to the point where I was listening. I was doing, he, cause he, he, he has a very uh, structured thing where if he tells you 496, He he means four ninety six, not five oh one point eight or five point one two point six. Yeah. And me, I'm not gonna bench four ninety six. I'm gonna throw those four. I'm gonna throw the 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 chip on there. You yeah. We call that
2: cucking yourself if you do four ninety
1: six. Yeah. I'm not doing that but he means that, and he he meant it to the point I was getting ready for Raw Nationals 2016. I had doubled to six. I did uh five fifty for a triple, and he was like, "You're gonna be right at six hundred if you just stay on path." I'm like. Nah, I need to find out. So I went bench. <laughs> <laughs> I benched to 585, and I posted, and I was like, oh, "Shit!" I was That's like, funny. "He gonna kill me." So I was like, "I'm gonna put the wrong day." I'm gonna say throwback, yeah. and uh, he saw it, and he goes, uh, "You just did that, didn't you?" And I was like, "Yeah." He said, "You know what? You got it." And I was like, "What's that mean?" And he was like, "You got it." You're, that you Monday came, I didn't have no work. He not had no work for me. I was like <laughs> looking. He was like, "Nah, you you know better than me. You got it." So I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna show him. So you know what I do? I benched every day, all the way to Raw National. And I benched 573 at Raw National. And he was and he wound up he wound up handling me at Raw National. But I I respected that because here I am, somebody who just totaled 2,000, um, who went through all that trouble and he actually decided to work with me. And um he saved me because he instead of me benching five, six days a week. I was only benching on Mondays and Thursday, but what I would do on that Monday and Thursday was something else. Like, you know, I was still going to load it up, but I would only post, you know, what he asked me, you know? But uh, I'm, I appreciate him doing that because that was at a time where everybody flipped on. the whole I'll picture entire state of powerlifters flipping on you. And I'm like, golly. What? So they flipped on me. Oh, everybody on you. turned on me. No, get to that point of the you know yeah, the, the whole yeah will get CPL, there i um, mean uspa debacle
2: well cuz you know, i was- i had i had beef with goggins because i had some close friends at the time who were obviously natural ipf lifters world team world team teammates and goggins got them in the uspa and you know got them into the dark side stuff and i i said some things and uh just that me and goggins won't, won't get along
1: <laughs> man but. but you you know uh see and and that's the other thing I respect about like that's and and this is uh this actually that would be a good lead in but um Steve when all that stuff happened the first thing he asked me, he was like you clean huh I was like yeah he said well look you ain't gonna be a lift down there he was like you're gonna have to start coming to Atlanta to lift and he actually cared enough to make sure that that's really what I was on you know what I'm saying and he was like if that's what you're on you can't lift here no more he was like they all hate you he was like I had got calls from everybody when all that stuff happened and he was like the only person to pick up the phone and like, you know, like try to figure out what was happening with all that went down. And, you know, that was a, a very weird time in powerlifting. Because if, if you think about it, I, I was the second person in the history of Texas US, USPA to ever total 2000. BJ Whitehead did it. And then I did it a year later. But of course, I did it drug free and told everybody about it and i could do 360 windmill dunks at the same time so of course the camera crew that i had and you know they just didn't like it i thought people would like 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 really rally behind it but they were just like fuck that guy so i became yeah. fuck that guy so that happens, it was it was different dude. but to me steve gogg is a great guy um i i could feel from your standpoint like not a like Seeing someone get taken off that path, like I see guys right now, like I see Luke Richardson and um the other big kid, I was like hoping that they were going to stay in the IPF to go up against Ray. And then when you see that they decide to do something else, it's kind of disappointing. But you you having personal relationships with the guys. Yeah, I think in Luke
2: Richardson's case, he probably made the right move, man. Powerlifting. Yeah, 1,000%. You know, like, sure. you're, you know, we're doing this podcast, you know, we're, you know, Alex has some side business we're coaching, you got your business, but it's a hustle, like Luke Richardson's going to be fine. He probably oh, yeah. did the right thing, but I wish he stayed around one more year. Um, two
1: more. Shit, they got one coming. So,
2: yeah. You know. But there's one, one more thing I want to ask you about program and then we can talk about stupid shit. Like, I need mm-hmm. to know, because like, typically power lifters, the week of the meet, we're going to like really slow down what we're doing like reduce mm-hmm. intensity reduce volume sets and reps everything like we'll, we'll we're working out up until the meet but nothing crazy like with your bench what are you doing week of the meet
1: i do nothing i take i take my opener monday and i'm like doing nothing and yeah. uh i know i know you know darrington darrington right oh yeah mm-hmm. so darrington is like uh darrington marty you know the whole noble crew they take care of me like during meets. And the one thing about me is that uh, during meet week, I'm like typically tripping about my weight, which is funny uh, because I always don't want to, I never want to hit numbers at a certain weight. So I'm like always managing my weight, which I shouldn't because I'm a super heavyweight, but I'm very, I'm vain. So it's like, I'm like, I want to make sure that, uh, and I know this has hurt me a bunch of, I know this has hurt me where I'm sitting up there like, man, I want to make sure I'm under 308 so that I could do this and that and it's like no one, like bro just eat or drink or whatever but um I take my my openers on Monday and then typically um I, I do all of them all my openers and I chill out but um Darrenton sometimes will see me and he'll be like hey man you don't want to go like this hit 315 right quick on Wednesday cuz we'll get to the Aaron because we all travel together and they'll be like Hey man, we all going down to the gym to get there. I'm like, why are y'all working out? I'm like, looking out like y'all are tripping. I'm sitting up there drinking beers and and everything. And I've also tried to be like super strict, no alcohol, and you know, don't do this. And Marty, that you know, shit he don't handles work. Handles me. He's, that doesn't work. And Marty's like, Jason, go get go get Jason beer, like, and and it relaxes me to the yeah. point because I get I have like extreme nerves. Um, cause squat, actually, absolute, absolutely, like terrifies me and i'll cramp out to the point where you can see aliens and shit coming out of my calves and stuff and it's like it's been it was bad at raw nationals in 2017 um it's happened a lot where i have just severely cramped and i think a lot of his nerves and then also me doing weird weight management for nothing uh has also hindered me i should have finished second in 2017 all i had to do was hit a 722 deadlift and i was cramping so bad i had that's when i came up my first uh, homemade Theragun. And I just remember Mike Tashir just looking at me like, what in the fuck are you doing? I had built yeah, that's funny because that's how I look at
2: Mike Toshir all the time.
1: And and look and and actually I have a great story about Mike (laughs) Tashir. Mike Tashir at Raw Nationals 2016, I had no fucking idea who that dude was, right? So I'm warming up by myself. I'm in prime time. No one knows me. Like I think I told I totaled 2000 at a meet. This is my first big meet. I remember them uh, announcing the prime time and I'll never forget this. I was because they did this. They had, they announced, I had the third highest total in the USAPL going into our national. So I'm like, all right, they're going to, they're going to mention the master lifter coming out of nowhere. And they were like, Ray Williams. And that was the year Dennis Cornelius ass decided to get fat and and compete at super. So I'm sitting up there like, ain't this a bitch? Like I'm supposed to finish second this year. And I'm like, all right, third, we got they skipped me and went to Andy Askow. I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" I was like, "It's me, it's
2: yeah, me." I'm laughing my <laughs> ass off because I was there, man. I was there. I was, uh, I was supposed to be in that primetime flight. As I a one time,
1: I, I, like, I was looking at your numbers. I'm like, "Damn!" I was like, "All these motherfuckers bigger than me," and I and I kept and I kept saying to myself, "I thought." And the funniest shit is, I thought Andy Askow was 6'5".
2: Yeah, right. That kid. <laughs> so
1: he's like five three. So I'm literally in a cab. I dro- oh, I bad. flew in the day before. I didn't know how to travel and stuff. I never traveled outside of the state for a meet. And um, yeah. I'm in a cab. The cab driver lost, whatever. But I get to the venue and I get out the car and I see this this like egg shaped figure. And I'm like, damn, he looks familiar. But I was like, that can't be the guy I think it is. Cause Andy that guy's at Kyle's least 6'5". It's Andy <laughs> Askow, And I'm sitting like, oh shit, this is Andy So. I remember this, like, looking. I'm like, God damn, he's 350 pounds. i like, shit. So I start looking. I'm like, I don't look like none of these guys. And I'm sitting up there like, um, actually, there's a guy, he's a wrestler now. He's a professional wrestler. He, he was at that meet. And I'll never forget, you know, I took my shirt off and we're sitting up there uh, getting weighed in. And uh, 300 pounds, I have abs and shit still. And the guy goes, he's eating a cheeseburger. We're weighing in. He goes. Say, hey dog, you too damn strong, bro. He's, <laughs> another way, another way. He's eating a cheeseburger, and I'm sitting up there like, "What the fuck is going on?" But then I you realized be I'm eating like eating one the people. I, yeah, but yeah, but I did. I, you know, I did for uh, IPF Worlds. I ate up. I was fat as fuck. I was like three seventeen, yeah. but I wanted that world record, so yeah. I had to go get it.
2: Yeah, you're probably looking at my numbers like, "Wow, this motherfucker's three <laughs> seventy. What a fucking."
1: But I just knew that it was it was uh it was that year it was supposed to be wasn't Blaine supposed to do it that year too?
2: No, no. We were, so what happened was he he was going to IPF Worlds for equipped and I wasn't originally, so I was going to do Raw Nationals. But then somebody got hurt and I got an alternate spot. So I flew to the meet to watch, but I knew I wasn't doing it. I already told him I wasn't doing it because I saw IPF Worlds for equipped was is only a month after Raw Nationals, so I couldn't yeah. do both. I'm not I'm not crazy like that. So. I did that instead, so I just I just didn't show up to Wayne's for that. But I was like, yo, I'm going to go train with uh, some coaches down there in Atlanta, and I'm going to watch Ray Williams, and it ended up he squatted 1,000 for the first time that day. That shit was crazy.
1: Yeah, that shit was crazy. And, and the funny shit about that was I had the lightest squat in the heat, so I always opened like at 600, 650, and I always finished around 7-something. And I remember I missed – No, I did, no, I didn't miss my opener. Ray hit the 1,000. And I I was the first person to go out after the thousand, and you don't you feel like such a pussy after Ray squats. <laughs> the yeah, to come up. Um, I got hurt. Actually, I got hurt at the Arnold where I want to come. I wanna, I got hurt at the Arnold, so I was opening at six hundred. I missed six hundred. Bonica hit six hundred. <laughs> right, yeah. it was like some <laughs> weird shit like that, right? So I I missed I missed on depth, and I had to go out. So Ray squatted like. 1080, 1050. So then, the, the it resets and it's me and everybody's just staring at me and you could hear every voice in the crowd like it was like any kind of big to be lifting that little ass weight. Man, yeah. I thought he was better than and my numbers are like seven something, you know, two thousand something total and here I am struggling and I drop, I almost, I dumped the weight damn there. You know what I'm saying because I was hurt. Yeah, I think I was but, watching uh, that. Yeah, that was funny. So then I, left, I, left, I left, I left and went, got some money on bench. I literally left it because I waited there for bench too, and they told us that they told us I could do both, and then they said I couldn't. So I wound up saying, "Bump this meet." I just walked out and walked across to the Arnold, limped over there, and won seven. Yeah,
2: people games. were running around between the expo and the full meet. I remember that shit like it was the first time that we had shit going on at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bring awesome.
2: us back to Mike T. What happened? To, what
1: happened to yeah, Mike? T? Yeah, where's the oh, Mike T. story? So I, I didn't. I didn't know who Mike T. was, and. Mike T has a very unassuming look, just like Dennis Cornelius. I my Dennis Cornelius story is actually pretty better, is better, but uh I'm looking, I don't know who Mike Tishir is, but people I'm hearing people talk about RP and all this stuff, and I don't know where to get it. Like I don't I'm not coached by you know when uh Ray and uh and uh the Gary's come around Matt Gary, they, yeah. They, they yeah, they take over an area and you're not really gonna mess with their area. So I'm looking some, for somewhere to bench. It's like squat. I just let them kick me to the back rack or whatever. But I'm like, I'm about to bench. i bench all you motherfuckers. So I'm about to bench where I want to bench at. So I'm looking around and I see Mike Tashir and I'm like, Hey man, it's okay. I bench with you. He goes, Sure, man. You know, um, you know where where you want to start at. And I was like, That's fine. And it was like, I think it was like his last warm-up. And I was like trying to prove myself. So I think I bust out like. I think whatever his last warm-up was i think i did like 14 with it right and it was like it might have been like uh um, it might have been like four or something but it was meet, like 200,
0: 200 keys or something in yeah. a meet
1: it was stupid i'm sitting like i'm trying to prove i did this before my first meet i did 225 in the warm-up for 50 room. some reps in a warm-up room right before my my bench to let people know i'm here but uh i did it again <laughs> there and i just remember like people looking at me like this dude's a fucking idiot right yeah, exactly. yeah.
2: honestly like no matter how sh- how awesome <laughs> it is we're all gonna just be like you're a fucking moron <laughs> Dude, nope. that's funny yeah. shit. Yo, that's gets, bench, legend shit. Yeah, that bench legend
1: shit yeah that's bench legend oh yeah shit. Oh, that, that was, <laughs> it was so so uh later that day i never um actually so right after that happened so people were like hey that's mike Tashir. people run up to him to take pictures and shit I'm like, why are people taking pictures of this dude? So then I get on my phone. I just start looking him up. I'm like, oh, shit, this dude's the goat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah. I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? So right after that happened, uh, I'll never forget. This is when I met Joey Flex. This is actually hilarious. Joey did some bullshit, right? So Joey comes up to me. He goes, hey, man. He's like, Joey. So he hits me with the, you know, the little, the little handshake thing. He does. Yeah, the mafia he handshake. Goes, yeah, yeah. So he says, look, um, you're about to beat Grant. You know what I'm saying? Like, Grant really wants to go to Russia. You know, we don't know how many more of these he's going to have. He said, to be honest with you, uh, I don't think you want to go to Russia, man. It's cold as fuck there, man. He said, <laughs> you know, so if you win, you know, I wouldn't even, He said, look, well, look what I'll do for you. I'll make sure you get into the Arnold. I got connections. Just roll with me. He said, also, we're going to help you get your followers up. You know what I'm saying? Get your, get your weight up. You know what I mean? Just, just you know, just, just stay close. So I'm sitting there like, oh, you'll do that for me? I was like, oh, sure, if I win, he could go. And L.S. come out of nowhere, man, you ain't going to never go to Russia again. He said, man, you better go. He said, if you win, you better go. But the whole time, I was really willing to give up my spot to Grant because I'm like, it's cold in Russia, and Grant's not going to have me more to go to. And I was literally about to just give up my Yo, spot. Yo, that's some bitch
2: shit, honestly. That's some bitch <laughs> shit.
1: <laughs> it was funny, though. I, I think in, in reality, all, in, in all actuality, was funny. But then it gets better because – uh, Ryan Steels, he tells Grant, "Don't worry about it. He's gonna fail the drug test." <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. But you guys both ended up going.
1: Yeah, I mean, we. I mean, it wound up being great. It was like yeah, it was be absolutely beautiful. And Grant is like one of the greatest guys of all time. Like, yes, I literally lost. They lost my luggage. I flew in the day before, not knowing, but they lost my luggage. I I get to the hotel at like. 10 o'clock. And I tell Grant what happens. I said, look, man, you about to win a world title. I was like, I'm not going to compete. I don't have my belt. I don't have my shoes. I don't have any, I don't have, knees. I don't have anything. And, um, yeah, I hated you for sp- this. Oh, look, I, I didn't know. I, I literally didn't know. I, and I'm sitting up there like, all right, I don't have anything. And I was sponsored by Anderson powerlifting at the time. And, um, <laughs> Anderson and, SPD and Titan, it was a weird situation that happened. Titan wanted my contract. They wanted me to lift in their gear, but didn't tell me. So they were going to Anderson, telling Anderson, hey, man, we want J. Mike lift wearing our stuff. And Anderson coming to me saying, hey, man, you about to leave us for Titan? I was like, I never That makes no to sense. So it, 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 it's all the same shit. It's, yeah, it's all the same shit, but the way they looked at it was Anderson was actually giving me more, they were giving me multiple budgets because most of Anderson lifters were like 50 and not really competing. So they wouldn't use any of their budget. So I started taking up multiple budgets. So it made it it look like I took a Titan sponsorship but wanted SPD gear. So when I get there and lose all my stuff, they were trying to make back channels and get me equipment. But they're like, he took a Titan sponsorship. Now he wants our stuff. So they basically said, you know, basically like you're on your own. So I had to borrow from the Team USA Women's team. So they were giving me socks. They gave me a belt. They I had like some some go girl socks on. You had Bonica's. You had belt. I had no. I had uh damn. Who uh whose belt did I have? I didn't have Bonica's belt. I I forgot whose belt I had. Becky. But that was the last time I had a decent deadlift. But uh I I lift with the belt and um. I won the world title, but it, I wound up missing a world record on bench and it was just a bunch of stuff that happened, but it all happened during that time. But I, I, I didn't know, I didn't know about traveling with your equipment and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, no, but shit, though.
2: I I wasn't mad about that. When you posted that shit, I was like, it's a fucking raw meat. Like, what do you really need your shoes and your belt for? Like, you just need a singlet. <laughs>
1: no, but I you know can't squat. I can't squat in flats. And my squat is, all, you also gotta realize, I'm so sensitive about my squat, that if anything goes wrong, like in terms of not, and then they, they were calling me for depth and my, I felt like I was rolling on the ground and they still were calling me for yeah. depth. Dude, I'd so be it just fucked was like- up
0: If I trained in heels for a meet, and then the and day of I the meet, I had to squat in you flats.
1: So most people what? don't bench with a belt, you know what I'm saying? So I bench with a belt, I jump in, I do a jump and rip deadlift, where I jump in the air, land, grab the bar, and if all that shit ain't right, I had to change my deadlift. I changed my deadlift to a traditional deadlift for that because I didn't have my stuff. So I understood people, most people just like fucking rookie, you know, but I just didn't. I It, it made it seem like I was making it dramatic, but I wasn't. It was just yeah, like, yeah. But really you like, won I,
2: by like 150
1: pounds. You won by like a yeah, lot. But yeah, but it, it was bad. But it was one of those things where <laughs> I was like, I thought I was going to go there and show out, you know what I'm saying? And I went there and just like, Lay the egg, you know what I'm saying. I don't. I didn't want to win a work like bad enough. I don't like the master shit, but I'm like, if I'm gonna be a master, I want to put up top five numbers. If I was in the open type shit, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and going there and all, you know, I put up a decent. I put up a decent number, but it wasn't like what I want. The impact I wanted to make, you know, so it was tough and. You know, traveling, and and the funny thing is, the guy, one of the one of my my sponsors or one of my clients, who was a, you know, he looked out big time. I flew first class there. I swear, I flew with chickens and shit in the planes on the way back. Like, he was like, <laughs> hey. he, was like, he, was like he was like, hey man, I got you going, but he said on the way back it's gonna be rough. I thought he was bullshitting. I took like six planes to get back home. It was you terrible. flew
2: first class and they lost your bag, man.
1: That's Yo, that, and that's, that's why that's why I didn't, that's why I wasn't tripping. I'm yeah. like, I'm flying first class. I was in the, the VIP lounges and shit like this. I, I could lay down, sleep, and shit. And they lost my shit.
2: That's crazy. And
1: and, and uh and, uh Jake with uh John Gruden, Monday night football. I'm sitting up there, they're talking rushing, no one speaks English, and I'm sitting up there, they were annoyed that I was American. I'm thinking they would love me because I'm American, and I know where I'm hearing this voice. I'm like, why the fuck I know this voice. And it's John Gruden with his son. Yeah. Uh Deuce and Gruden. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh shit, that's John Gruden. And it was like they had lost his luggage too. So it was it was all fucked yeah, up. Yeah,
2: you recognize that voice anywhere. Oh yeah. Anywhere in the world. I mean,
1: shit. You gotta recognize that voice.
2: <laughs> Spider wild no, banana. No,
1: so, yeah, so, Y Banana. Yeah. No
0: Jay, loss. Jay, I just wanna I mean circle back a little bit. So where where did you first get started on powerlifting and what's your, you know, what's your background on all these different sports that you've done in the past? Like what, what have you not done and what got you so interested in powerlifting, having done all these different things?
1: Um, well, that's, that's like. What's your like, history
0: of athletics?
1: Okay. Uh, grew up um, playing soccer and baseball. Uh, came to New Orleans when I was like eight start my dad my dad played you know pro football and uh well you know made the camp type stuff and you know played at Gramlin State University uh and he put me in football you know and I wanted to be you know everybody wants to per- be the person with the ball and only a father only a son of a father who played offensive line would tell his son you want the ball every down be a center and my ass <laughs> <dad's> going <laughs> here I am a, a fucking lineman and I'm like playing but I'm really good But at the same time, my background is uh, baseball and soccer. And I was a really, really good baseball player. And um, leaving California to come is a huge culture shock, complete culture shock. But um, I always spoke really well. Uh, That's a whole nother story. But anyway, I wound up doing that. uh, And my mom loved tennis. And she loved it to the point to where she would record these videos. And she really wanted me to get into tennis and but tennis was very expensive. And I never really had the money to play tennis per se, but she would send me the videos and I would watch and I would mirror like them playing on the tennis court. Now I'm left-handed, but I learned how to play tennis right-handed. And uh, by the time I got to junior high school, I was, a, I was a really good football player. I was terrible at basketball, which is crazy, but I was terrible at basketball. I was short of five foot two, 200 pounds, all that kind of stuff. and. I'm trying to play basketball, but my school that I go to doesn't have a basketball team. I mean, it doesn't have a baseball team. Um, I'm, in, and I'm I'm ineligible to play because of where I lived. I had to sit out a year and all this kind of stuff. So I wound up making the junior varsity basketball team and we didn't have a baseball team. So the coach liked me, I was a good kid. So they brought me on a basketball team, more or less like as a body and someone to help wipe the floors up and shit like that. So <laughs> that coach did not know how to coach. All he did was make us run. We ran all all, all day, every day. So I went 50-something on junior varsity, but the entire varsity team quit. And when the, the entire varsity team quit, I wound up having to start in basketball. So here I am, I should not have been on the court, but I'm getting a chance to play against big time basketball players because our school's a 5A school, or four, might've been a 5A, but we were playing against McDonald Americans and all this stuff, and I got that experience. Um, our baseball team, we wound up getting a baseball team my 11th grade year, but the football coach basically used it for football. So all they did was run, they ran and lift weights. I didn't lift weights. So I had a terrible junior year, no tennis team Um, i'm going into my senior year i wind up losing a little more weight i grow some more now i'm like six foot and i'm like 180 pounds maybe but our baseball team gets a hire and the guys that they hired were three guys that played in the minor leagues they were all like 22 23 years old and they decided to coach our team so basically we had major league coaching my senior year, and that year I batted 500 all conference. Um, put up big numbers, also was all city and basketball, dunk state dunk champion in 1996. I just basically came out of my shell. So
0: that's when you blossom. That
1: I you weren't always at, a
0: stud until
1: senior year. Oh, hell no! I was I, pfft, hey, I became a stud in 1998. 1998, I became Jay Mike, you know, I was Jason <laughs> Douglas Mike in 1998 you know, with, you know, the whole, you know, the the girls and all that kind of stuff. That was J Mike. That was like a whole character. You know what I'm saying? That was like something else. But uh, I wound up going to Groundless State University. I started as a freshman, took a senior spot, a homer in my first college at bat, um, um, swag player of the week, uh, win multiple games in back-to-back days, all this kind of stuff. And I get hurt. I get in a car accident and when I get in this accident, Gremlin had a very um, strict rule about injuries. If you're hurt, you don't play. And it was one of those things where I should have taken the injuries more serious and got treatment or, you know, did something more and I didn't. But at the same time, I'm J Mike now. So I'm partying, I'm kicking it. And I literally just said, fuck it. I'm just going to party and kick it, you know, holla at chicks and i left my athleticism right there. I started playing pool, that's how I paid the bills, but I wasn't trying to play baseball anymore. Um, to the yeah. point to where my senior year, they actually tried to bring me back. Like, listen, you're too talented to not be playing baseball. And I'm still, I'm winning dunk competitions on campus against the college team. I'm actually made the, the men's team in basketball, but I couldn't do both baseball and basketball at the same time. So at this point, that's when I started training with the guys uh, for the NFL and actually went to a combine and got offered uh, <laughs> to go to San Francisco uh, for camp and turned it down. Um, I was getting hurt playing softball. Uh, I was gonna try to play college tennis, but I kept getting injured. And it was just like one of those things where I'm just like, you know what? It's just not meant to be. Um, I wind up getting into this pool fight. Again, I, I go to the, like, I graduated from college um, like December ninth or something like that i go to the pool hall i'm in a rough pool hall like rough but at the same time i'm um you know i'm 6'1 220 shredded but i'm still college boy you know what i'm saying but these are gangsters and killers and stuff like that and um i get into this fight with this guy and the guy was my friend um but it wound up being one of those nights where he was tired of me always getting over In a sense, like, you know, I I wound up playing this guy in this serious match. It shouldn't have been, but me and this guy played and I was down like 800 bucks. And the guy was not that good. Uh, I was drunk and they had girls around. So I'm showing off. And next thing you know, I'm down all this money. The guy came looking for his money. I said, well, look, let's keep playing for the next three hours. And after that, we'll settle the bet. I wound up sobering up. I beat the shit out the dude. I only wound up losing like, $65 $65. But the deal is if you lose, if the, the loser, the winner always pays the pool time and typically buys the guy who he beats a drink or dinner or something like that. So when the guy comes back to get his money, I'm breaking down the stick he and I give him $7.80 some cents and I'm laughing. And he goes, What the fuck is this? I said, That's what you won. He goes, well, Use this up 800 He said, Man, the dude started playing good and won the money back. So he was also my ride home. So I'm telling the guy, like, man, that was cool. I got out that trap. He goes, nah, man, I want my money. I'm like, what you mean what money? I paid the pool time. I gave you what's left. And he's like, nah, not saying I want my money. I'm not paying the pool time. So I'm like, bro, go ahead, whatever. So I am break down my stick, and he goes, you always getting over. You think you slick? And I know where he just started swinging. I was like, is he about to hit me? So I pondered, <laughs> what's I he swinging at? <laughs> I grab him, slam him and hit him a hundred times consecutive without him being able to uh, fight back. I pinned his arms down, so I'm just hitting his face. Just ground and pound. Blood is everywhere. And people have never seen me like this. So they're scared to stop me. So I literally almost kill him. And to the point where his girlfriend was there, I'm expecting her to hit me across the head with a pool stick or something. It never happens. All she's saying, fight back fight back fight oh my back. god dude and i'm just hitting him and his head is on, man and he i get up and i stop hitting him and the craziest thing is i literally stopped hitting him because i thought he was still gonna bring me home <laughs> so, I'm up there like, a cab. so i literally oh call a cab i hide behind a trash can he pulls out of ak-47 looking for me after he wakes up they go near my grandma's house shots get let off i wind up walking down the street now, just to date this, this is uh 2000. No, this is, uh yeah, 2001, December 2001. I'm walking. It's 36 degrees. I'm bloody with a Jeff. I mean, with a, a Jeff Gordon Rainbow Warrior NASCAR jacket on <laughs> and blood all over me. The police see me and I tell the police, they put the light on. I said, I just graduated from college. I just want to go home. The cop sees me. Puts me in a car. Only time I've ever been in a police car, by the way. Um, and he brings me to a bus stop, puts me on a bus. I catch a bus home, and I just remember all my family being outside. Was like, whatever you're doing out here in these streets, you need to you need to stop. Because what happened is, is, that I was a good kid, but I started making some bad decisions. And when I say bad decisions, I'm like, I'm in the strip clubs. I'm, you know, I'm I'm hanging with dudes who are gangsters. And I'm not on that time. You know what well, I'm saying? Well, shoot never AK-47s
0: getting- at your house?
1: Oh, no, no. It wasn't mine. It was his. <laughs> it wasn't. I, I didn't have a gun. The guy pulled the gun.
0: Yeah, but they were shooting, at your, shooting at your
1: house? Yeah, yeah. you hit, hit my grandmother's car and all that kind of stuff. So things got real. And I said, you know, I got to get a job. So I wound up getting hired as a, a physical education teacher. And, um, you know, I graduated with a degree in history and geography. And it was like, I thought that I was going to be a professional pool player because I was making, you know, five, six hundred dollars a day. And I'm like, I'm going to make one hundred dollars a day teaching. Like I might as well go make more of being a pool player with no hours. But it wound up not being uh, I wound up getting hired as a teacher and a personal trainer in the same day. And that's where I did that all the way until Katrina. But before Katrina, I was 26, 27 years old. The Cincinnati Reds were still interested in trying to see if I could still play baseball. But the, the guy who I took the job from told me, he said, boy, you too old. You, you washed up. You ain't going to, they don't want you. You too old. You keep this job. This is a good job. Cause if you leave P P pe jobs don't last. Like people typically keep those jobs forever. Yeah. He said, Look, I retired so you can have this job. Cause my dad worked at the school. So I wound up getting the hookup, but, so I turned it down so I could be a PE teacher and then Katrina happens (laughs) so I'm sitting like what the fuck so now I'm having to you know move and relocate and now I'm 27 28 years old and Bo Jackson has always this is a long ass story but Bo Jackson is one of my all-time heroes him and Jose Canseco he was smashing Madonna. That's
2: random Rose ass stuff. shit. Jose, no, Jose Bo Jackson is the best athlete Jose of all time. Bo oh, Jackson, man, Jose Canseco's not can't hold a candle. Did
0: you see Jose Jackson. Canseco's uh, got a boxing match this upcoming weekend Jose or something?
1: Canseco, look, I, I relate <laughs> so much to Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco still thinks he could do it.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I still think I could do it. I fuck I mean, with it. You know, you know what I'm saying? So,
2: nah, you're the Tom I, Brady of bench press, man.
1: Yeah, but I also like the fact that like I could play tennis i learned golf and i picked these things up without coaching and it's, it's one of those like catch me if you can type situations and it's like i'll see something and it'll catch my eye it'll be like you know what like uh i think the first thing i, I picked up dunking so uh i i moved to houston and i find out i could still jump i'm like damn i could still jump had no idea i go to a court i'm hitting my head on the rim and I'm sitting like, God damn, I could still jump. So I started making these videos. The videos are going viral, but not for me. People were taking my footage and getting millions of views of me jumping, saying that I'm using their jump programs and all this kind of stuff. So I never got any clout because back then they weren't tagging, stuff like that. I even got offers to go overseas and play professional basketball because of my dunk videos. Fast forward, I'm at that gym. There's a guy named Alex Chasiski. He's a Russian guy that came to the USAPL. Uh, he was probably a one. He was probably a, a 66 kg lifter.
2: Yeah, I remember him. He but won a few raw time. nationals.
1: Yeah, well, the funny thing about that guy is he's he's one of the only people I ever respected as a trainer. Like as a personal trainer, I'm a very good personal trainer. I do a lot of weird shit, a lot of equipment, um, vertical leap testers, timers, very su- su- um, sophisticated stuff that I did training. But this guy was smart. So he would literally train me. He would like come to the gym, he didn't talk much and me and him became very good friends. And we were both 240 pounds. Now this is why it's so funny. We both are 240 pounds. He told me he was gonna get ripped, move to Florida and become a a, a, a a celebrity trainer. So at the time he started doing this, he leaves, never calls me, never says anything, just leaves. I don't hear anything from him for years. And he pops up on my Facebook he was at. He won a. He broke a IPF world record deadlifting. Deadlifting. Yeah. And I go, what the hell? So I look. I said, hey man, I see you man. You lift the weight. He said, man, look, I could be a powerlifter too. He said, yo, I know you could bench press. He's at the time bench probably like four hundred pounds. And he goes, you'll have to probably bench probably five hundred. I'm like, is nobody on earth benches more than me? Like I bench four twenty. There's nobody on earth that could bench more than this guy. And he goes, what do you squat? I was like. Man, a Smith machine, you know, I do about... He said, we can't use that in competition. And he said, we also deadlift. So I didn't know anything about powerlifting. So I look up, the, you know, he said, well, look, for a guy your size to do something competitive, you're gonna have to total about 1,900 pounds. And I go, I start doing them. And I'm like, that's impossible. I'm like, all right, bro, you on drugs now, for real. And he goes, hmm. nah, this, I lift in the, the Federation where it's drug tested, all this kind of stuff. Fast forward, after this happens, I see the X Games. And I, I'm watching these guys skateboard. And I'm sitting up there like, I can do that shit. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm about to go, about to, go to Walmart. I'm about to go to Walmart and I'm about to buy me a fucking uh, Tony Hawk professional skate deck. And I'm about to go do some errors. I've never been on a skateboard day in my life. I go to Walmart, I buy the number one Tony Hawk skateboard that they had available. And for whatever reason, I was like, you know what? I had to get a helmet, so I called the skate shop and I said, hey, I just bought this badass Tony Hawk deck. I'm about to go rip it at the skate park. I need a <laughs> helmet, and the, the guy was like, the guy was like, uh, is this for you or your child? I was like, nah, it's for me, I, was like, I bought the project. And he was like, <laughs> and, uh, he, said, uh, he said, how much do you weigh? I'm like, I'm like, 250. He goes, he said, you're gonna die on that skateboard. He said, just come to my, he said, he says, "Come to my skate shop." So I go to the skate shop and start talking to him, telling him all the shit. Me, me jumping, I'm Bo Jackson doing all this dumb shit. And he goes, he said, "Just let me know what day you're going out there. I have to be there to watch you get on the skateboard." Was, he's like, "So you skating? I was like, "Never been on a skateboard in my life." But I was like, "I'm just gonna do a couple of airs, record it, put it on YouTube." And he was <laughs> like, "Please," he said, "I'll cut." He said, "I'll, I'll He'll shut the shop down you. right now to watch you." So I, I buy the helmet. I go to the skate park. I walk, I put the helmet on, walk in the skate park. I go straight to the 20-foot jump. And I'm like, I mean the oh 20-foot God. drop. The vert
0: ramp? You go to the vert. To the vert ramp. ramp. Everybody just staring
1: at me. Now, mind you, at this time, I'm I'm shredded. I'm jacked. I got a tank top on. I'm greased up. So I'm sitting up there, like everybody just check me out because I, I look so great, right? So right I put the board to the to the foot of the to the ramp, yeah. like everybody does. And this little kid comes and just taps me on the shoulder. He goes, Mister, I said, Yeah, kid. He says, "Uh, your helmet's backwards. I go, I had the whole shit backwards. So (laughs) I was like, oh, so I pulled this board back and I started rethinking it. So I said, let me go dropping on one of these small ramps. I fell so, I flipped and hit the ground so hard. I was concussed. I literally said, how do I get classes? So I literally started taking skate classes with the five and eight year olds for the next two weeks. I would be out there from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. I would go to work, be out there from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. every single night. And I actually became addicted with skateboarding. To the really? point where I can't. Yo, I you can't didn't even tell money. me this shit. I didn't know
0: this. I used to skateboard oh. myself. And I will tell you, I've never seen anybody drop in on any half pipe. It could be a mini ramp, three foot tall. I've never seen anybody for the first time drop in on a half pipe and not bust their ass. I ever so you are very very lucky you did not try You're to drop lucky in that kid tapped you on, shoulder, on that man. vert
1: ramp not not only that kid but um where where this actually uh went crazy was i felt the fact that i wasn't good at it it attracted me more to it like yeah. to the point where i noticed that the guys who who did street didn't skate the bowl um yeah. i wanted to be so i said you know what I want to be able to do all of the tricks. I wanted to do frontside grinds, backside grinds, rock the fakies, rock the rolls. I wanted to be able to drop in anywhere on the skate, on the skate park and feel comfortable. I started watching more and more clips. I started getting into it. I, I got sponsored by Rain Skates. I told him my story. Uh, the guy who owns Pro Design um, pads is here locally in Houston. And I just told him my story. I was like, look bro, I said, I, I'm Bo Jackson for real. I'm like, the stuff that he did in the videos, I could really do. And the guy was like, you're fucking crazy. He said, I'll give you whatever you need. So he made me custom pads. And I literally went out there every day for about two years. I was skateboarding every day. And what turned me off from skateboarding, this is the same time Lil Wayne got into skateboarding. And people started asking me, like, so you skateboarding because of Lil Wayne? And I was just like so pissed off by it. I was like, it started making me not like it. Well, Houston got hit with this huge amount of rain, so you couldn't skate. So one day I'm watching Fuse TV and I see BMX. And I was like, I used to ride BMX when I was a kid. I'm about to get a bike. This is fucking crazy. <laughs> Wait. So in, going go, go back get-
0: to skateboarding. What was what okay. was like your biggest what was like your biggest accolade on a skateboard? Like what like what tricks were you hitting after two years? Like what what were the uh, most difficult shit you were doing?
1: I was doing uh Rock and rolls, front side grinds, dropping in. Just, I, I actually got to the point where I could just skate. Like, okay. I got, I you actually got, in? A skate. you dropped oh, in, you dropped in 20, 20 foot 20 foot drop 20 ins. foot vert ramp. That. Yeah, that's no, that's, not, it's that's not, a, it's a bowl. Houston a bowl. actually has, uh, the, the bowl that they have in Houston is a professional bowl. Um, I got a chance to ride with Krishna's, Krishna Koi, Krishna Soy. Yeah. Uh, he has, uh, the hammerhead skateboard, like big time, like dudes who were professional, like uh, Chris Dent, uh, Dentry, yeah. um, a bunch of guys. They all took me in because I was literally out there every single day. So people, I got a chance to like ride with people. That's like some some dude off the street. I just start fucking with him on bench press. Like, yo, you just train with me now. Like with no with no nothing. And that's what happened with skateboarding. Right. Um, there were Jay Mike. How well- many
2: girlfriends you have during this time? Because you're skating like ten oh, I was, hours. A I day. was
1: girlfriend, girlfriend. I mean, like you know my my wife now, but you know. <laughs> Um,
2: that's right, what so, I was about, man.
1: That's, I, was about, I respect I was, that.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, but see the
1: I, thing. I was. I enjoyed the fact that I wasn't good at it, and it made it. It opened me up to everything else. Like the thing about me is that I would. Fi- I'm fine. I find things that are very difficult for me, very attractive, due to the fact that I've always I've been good at. It. If I put my mind to it, I really think I could be great at it. Or I'll find something in that sport to where I'm world-class at it. Like say for instance, in tennis, I serve 128. I don't play well enough to be a, a professional player, but my serve is world-class. Or, you know, it's it's high level. Um, basketball, I could dunk the basketball like an NBA two guard. Uh, baseball, I could hit the baseball. I think I could hit 30 home runs right now. But it's, it's one of those things where I always would find something. This is in my later years, as I've gotten older, these are things that I would pick and say, you know what? I wanna have the best this in the world. I I wanna be able to do this. And I would find those little avenues to keep me going because what happens is you don't get old. And I'm finding now is that with jumping, I still jump high, but it's not the same. The difference is I don't wanna do it. Like, it's like when you don't wanna do it and you still do it and you fight through it, you can still keep that certain level. For me to still be able to touch 10 foot 10 at 290 pounds is crazy, but it's because I never stopped when I was younger. So I'm trying to find things to keep me in the game. You know what I'm saying? And and every and that's why I the whole I don't have hobbies, only obsessions came in, you know. <laughs> I really believe that. Like if you if you view it, once I do something, I view it as if I'm literally professional. Like if if you don't do it that way, it makes it hard to commit to it. You know what I'm saying? You did, long, you did long drive,
2: also, right, J Mike?
1: Yeah, I did long drive. I was breaking fingers though, and I was actually really good at that. Actually, one of the guys, his name is um Jackson. His last name is Jackson. But he he's a professional long driver, and he came to me wanting me to help him with his bench press. But he seen my drive, he goes, Man, you're so you're talented, you're so flexible for your size. You know, you can probably I'm like, But my fingers just couldn't handle it, and I just had to have hand surgery so all these different things were probably products of, you know, my my background and stuff, you know, you
0: think, you think it's a personality trait or is it like something in your childhood or what, you know, what, what, what is it about you that you get so obsessed?
1: Um, I think it's because I wasted a bunch of talent, you know what I'm saying? And that, and that also, um, that's like a trigger for me, you know, like, you know how some people say they have regrets, like if you if you look on any of my YouTube videos or anything like that, you hear people say that guy should go back to school and 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 you know, he must have just got out of prison. Or, you know, they they try to come up with the story and why I didn't make it playing professionally or something. And it's honestly, it's no story. When I was younger, I never used to talk, believe it or not. I never used to say anything. I didn't uh, I wasn't cocky, I wasn't arrogant. I, I always was to myself, I never said anything, and I think that hurt me. And that's why I make sure that I get my props now, or I at least make sure that I acknowledge what is done because if someone doesn't acknowledge it, it's, it makes it almost like it didn't happen. And I resent that in a lot of ways. And, and one of the things is is that people view certain things. So say, for instance, if I looked a certain age, I would get my credit. If I had like a monstrous head of gray hair and looked old as fuck and they and saw you me. Dunked. doing something to, Yeah. And I don't, they'll go crazy. <laughs> right but the fact that I do it they're like yeah anybody could do it like i've gone to basketball courts and dudes like yeah when i was when i was in my 20s i could do that too and i'm like bro i'm in my 40s and they're looking at me like whoa so yeah. they don't know so i never fully got that credit so i think that's what makes me put my head down and say you know what i'm really about to go at this and and this year and i hate that i'm jumping around like this but in this year with powerlifting I I lost a lot of my drive um, for what was going on because I had a a bad sponsorship situation. And I started seeing the fact that uh, you put so much time and effort into this stuff and you get so little out of it. When we, as athletes, and and I know everyone isn't into it. Some people look at this as a hobby, right? But if you're gonna get hurt, you're gonna get injured, you're gonna miss time away from your family, You taking years off your life, off your years of being mobile, there should be a way to where you wind up with something at the end of it, you know? And I'm not saying um, like, you know, some of these companies do get started from the ground floor, you know what I'm saying? And and when they get started from the ground floor and they build themselves up to multi-million dollar companies, I look at that as like, man, that's badass, that's awesome. But, But what happens sometimes is is that they'll come to an athlete and look for their little clout to try to help them go along and they'll give you all this fake shit we're brothers and you know we're family and all that kind of shit but at the end of the day is they're waiting to find somebody to replace you and i i wound up having this happen with people that i really championed because i felt as though they were in it for the right things and uh the situation it, it hurt me in a sense to where I was like taken up in certain situations, like where, you know, they make the worst knee sleeves ever made. And I'm literally risking my life wearing these things across the world. And, and the owner of the company telling me he doesn't have time to worry about my fucking knee sleeves because he's running a multi multimillion dollar, um, um company. And I'm sitting up there like, that felt like something, someone like you, should not tell me who wears their pants above their belly button and you would never say that to me outside of this situation so I felt a certain way about it and when that happened it stripped me and it was like you're not gonna pay me so if you pay me all right so if you pay me you're not gonna control my IG you're not gonna tell me how to post like hey you know what J Mike how about it's Monday who's benching what you guys got going on? <laughs> that shit don't even sound like me, like yeah. to the point where you're you're telling me like, hey, you should be more warm and welcoming, and hey, how about uh, we're gonna do this collaboration with you, and the shit ain't gonna never come out. But at the same time, I'm looking at powerlifting. Please stop me. I see you want to stop, me. but uh, like uh,
2: no, I just want to. This is a spicy PL podcast. I want you to drop okay. a quick. I just want you okay. to drop a dime on these people let's go okay.
1: um <laughs> who are we talking about? <laughs> who are we talking about
2: okay is it Pete so, I was
1: sponsored I was sponsored by a7 right a7. Okay. now now what happened is with this situation I don't know if I should go back but all right so pretty much what happened is after my shit went bad with Anderson and all that stuff they were there they they offered a sponsorship it was more like uh they couldn't get no other big lifters so they got me. And I kind of realized that now after the fact, but you know, if you think about it, they had situations with other big lifters. But once um, they started making equipment, those other lifters were no longer allowed to wear their stuff. Um, I was doing pretty well at the time. Um, they seem like a great company and great people. And I will say this: they are great people, and I, I do think that the company makes great shirts. Um, but the way that I was treated and the way that I started getting talked to was just weird to the point to where, you know, they did give me money. They, they did very, they did great by me, but what made things extremely weird was, you know, getting ready to go to Nauru. I got selected to go to Nauru. I needed, uh, knee sleeves and they had just sent me something. I forgot what they sent me. They sent me some shirts or something, but I hit them up. was like, yo, um, I need some knee sleeves. And it was like, why didn't you tell me this last week? Now, mind you, if you know the person that you're dealing with and the way they talk to you one way, but as they gotten bigger, they started talking to me much different. And it, it made me feel a way like, all right, you run a multi-million dollar company. It's like, you're throwing that in my face that you're running a multi-million dollar company. I'm literally risking my knees wearing these knee sleeves. Like It was to the point where if you look at from the time that they went live with those knee sleeves, I started wearing tights over the knee sleeves and I was wearing SPDs underneath them. And the knee sleeves were bad, like they're bad. Anytime I see someone wearing those knee sleeves and I hate to shit on like this, but anytime you see somebody (laughs) wearing their knee sleeves, they're sacrificing their totals for that sponsorship. I don't care who they are. If you're wearing those knee sleeves, you're sacrificing pounds off your squat for the sponsorship or for your, your singlet and all that shit to match. You know what I'm saying? And if that's the case, that's fine. But where shit got weird was was that I was looking at like, you know what, I'll sack my squad is the worst lift I have, but I'm like, you know what? they about to do my own signature wrist wraps, which they actually um we had we had ones that were supposed to come out. Um, but they spelled my name wrong on the on the wrist wraps. And I was Damn. like, you know what? <laughs> this probably this is probably not gonna end up well, but they kept telling me it was gonna come out and they didn't come out. And how I view powerlifting, <laughs> and I, I, I hate I hate to look at it like this. This is going to be all kind of wild. But I said I'll do powerlifting as long as it doesn't cost me money to do. That's the only reason why sponsorships are important to me. Sponsorships are about respect. It's not about what you get from the sponsorship. It's more like the people that are sending you something respect you. And when they respect you, that's a sign of endearment for me. So I don't care if you make a shitty product. But if you sent it to me, that means you respect me in some way. And I and I cherish that. So if if I ever rep a company like um uh, uh lift heavy, uh he makes the stuff that looks like run DMC. That guy sponsored me my first, my second event. I wasn't even good, but he sponsored me. Man, I still post that dude shit. Like Damn. if he if I still go on his page and, and like his shirts and he still reposts my stuff. I re, I respect that stuff, so it's like one of those things where when all this stuff went bad, I was like, I'm gonna have my own wrist wraps at the end of it. i have my own wrist wrap at the end of it. So I hit up um, Lockjaw Collars, which is one of my sponsors. They were gonna do a signature collar for me. Then I said, well, y'all, you guys don't want to do a shirt for me. I'm gonna make my own shirt. And that's where everything hit the fan because once, <laughs> once I made my own shirt, they viewed it like, well, you don't talk about our products anymore. All you do is promote your shirts. I'm saying, like, listen, I told you I need X amount of dollars to compete this year. You guys didn't want to give me that money. They gave me a bunch of incentives, which is fine. But I'm like, well, if I can make some of the money up by making a shirt, why not? And it got to the point where I started feeling like he was disrespecting me. So I sent the email, was like, you're going to respect me. If that's what the title was, I pretty much knew I was going to keep that sponsorship. So that sponsorship ended and I started the AOE Custom Apparel. And that was the direct response was for me to start my own company.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you that's that's one thing that's for sure about Power Off thing is sponsorships don't last. Like people who listen to this podcast regularly know I've been sponsored and dropped by Enzer, Titan, some other stuff. And even if you look at like Ray Williams, bro, he was sponsored by Alico, then he's sponsored by Rogue, sponsored by S P D. But guess what? S P D is gonna move on because Ray's not, you know, Ray Williams. Five years ago anymore so it's just like even for the best of the best that shit that shit never lasts the only you know one who it
3: really lasted for was brad gillingham with gnc yeah gnc he was sponsored by gnc for a long time
1: but, brad is still sponsored by uh, GNC. Then, oh there you man, go still See? Is, yeah exactly still is. exactly brad, brad brad is uh i met him at the uh, i met him at the raw nationals in washington i've never yeah. i never never spoke to him And um, he he sees me, he looks at me, he goes, you're about to break my record, aren't you? And I look and he goes, he says, I know who you are. And I was like, oh, she." he goes, you're gonna break my, he said, but you know what? You're a good guy. And he was like, he was so shy. And it was surprising because I heard and reason why, part of the reason why I started keeping up with how many times I benched 600 was because of him. How many
2: times <laughs> he pulled 800, yeah.
1: 800, and I found that to be so remarkable. And I'm, I'm one of those people, that people don't notice about me, but I'm very respectful. Um, I'm, I, I'm into history. Like, I respect people. I respect things. And talking to him made me feel like, I was like, you know what? There, there's a place in this sport for me, even when I'm not me. You know what I'm saying? So even though I'm I might not be top five, top three, and all that stuff no more, I could still make a way for myself if you do things the correct way. And I kind of like that. And that's part of the reason why I was upset with, with you. But I, I understood. <laughs> now I but now I totally I understand everything now. Like everything understand like right now, um, I'm not a super heavyweight. And I'm looking at it. I'm seeing it. Like I'm not super heavyweight. These motherfuckers are coming super heavyweights. These motherfuckers is 350, and they want to be 350, and they squatting eight nine hundred. And I'm still gonna outbench every last one of the motherfuckers. But they all are squatting eight nine hundred. They pulling eight something. And it's like the time to hit where either I gotta go to 264, or just be great at what I'm doing. And I'm like mm-hmm. none of them could touch me on bench. I'm gonna keep it that way. But I I don't, I don't need to figure out my my next move within the space because I'm not going to be the old dude that's showing up at nationals, you know, you know winning the old man Olympics. And, you know, I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. as long as I'm still benching and, you know, I still have that, I'll stay doing it. But once it gets to a point where I'm, like, not in prime time and all that kind of weird shit, I'm going to, you know, go back to table tennis, you know, but.
2: Table tennis. Yeah, that that's do, you, do you think that, like, if you spent all your time doing one thing for 20 years that you would be better, a better powerlifter, a better tennis player, like, you know, like, do you think you wasted two years skateboarding? Do you wish you found powerlifting Um, earlier?
1: Most definitely. Uh, My knees, my knees, like my transition was something that you would never see. Someone who uh, was a professional dunker coming into powerlifting but who got into professional dunking at 28 years old so my knees were shot so i just could never get to the point to where my squat could get good enough now i got to the point i was pulling 815. i was getting my squat was really i mean my deadlift was really good my squat my deadlift at some point was better than my bench but switching from that deadlift bar to the to the stiff bar just fucked me and i just was never able to recover from it and know i've had some weird issues where i have not performed like you know uh you know it's just times where i squatted well and then my deadlift just left me you know whatever the case may be and um it's been i've had a bunch of injuries over the last couple years that were weird and finding out that i had um i had to have hand surgery because of the issues i you know i had trigger finger to the point where my finger just lock up on me and it got to a point where i was almost about to break my finger to straighten it up and i was dealing with that for like the last two years and i finally got the surgery on that so um you know i'm gonna give it another go where i go through a prep like a real prep i'm actually i literally would deadlift five reps in every deadlift session squat under 10 reps every two, you know session so i've never really put in that effort like i need to at this you know what i'm saying so yeah. i want to give it where i actually go through a, a real training protocol you
2: know you posted the other day about you want to do some crazy shit at this year's nationals you're going <laughs> to do multiple days of lifting like what's the plan you're going to do masters bench and open like how many how many meets are we doing that week
1: well whatever they i want to. i wanted to do equip this year but um you know, I, I don't have, I haven't, I, I can't even put, the, I don't even know how to put the shirt on, but <laughs> um, I w- I'm going to do bench nationals. I want to, I'm going to win bench nationals and then go to raw nationals and, you know, put up something nice. But the, the thing is, is that uh, bench nationals would be the priority. Whereas never, you know, I've never thought like that before. Every year I've always been top three and all this shit. And now it's like, I haven't squatted I haven't squatted more than 300 pounds in over a year. You know what I'm saying? So uh, the bench will be 661 raw.
2: Yeah. Well, what do you think? What do you think is a better achievement? Winning, winning master worlds in total or winning open um, bench worlds? Raw? Um, the
1: master. The, I'm not a big bench only guy like that. shit's kind of trash. Like, and I <laughs> and I don't, and I, and I don't mean it. I don't want to say it like that. Like I pride myself on being a great full meat lifter. Right. Like, all of my 600 benches happened where I totaled over 2,000 pounds. Uh, and also, bench only is actually hard. Like, I, I mentally, it's hard getting up for those events. Like, I won the Arnold this year. Um, it, was, it was easy in a sense that I knew. Like, I looked at everyone's numbers, and I'm like, they've never benched more than 562. I can open at that. So it was like, it was a check. And I also lost a shitload of weight at the Arnold. I was skinny as shit at the Arnold. So I'm sitting up there like 280, 278 when I get there. And I'm sitting up there like, I'm literally, no one's going to beat me. So let me just pick up the check. And then Corona hit and all that kind of stuff. So no telling if we were going to compete again. But uh, that same time, uh, what's 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 the kid's name? Uh, 105. Uh, Jake Amendola. Great venture
3: Jake, Jake
1: is an absolute savage. Right. So I love Jake. Right. Because Jake has showed me so much respect and to the point where he was like, hey, man, I don't even want that record. That's your record, man. Go get it. Like like just the fact that he he showed that type of respect. And also he wasn't a good squatter and deadlifter, much like I was. And now he's very strong and he's getting yeah. stronger.
2: Now he's so probably I, gonna break the world record I, I, total.
1: Oh, I, I so much appre- I just appreciate how he's gone about the situation. So for that, for, I don't want to call him a kid, but for for him to handle the situation the way he's handled it, like the moment he benches 600 pounds in a competition, there's an argument he's the greatest bencher of all time, cross yeah. board. Like I literally, he would have an argument to say, I'm better than any person has ever benched pressed. If he benches six, 600, and he's going to do it, he's going to bench 600 in a full meet, he's going to total 2,000, he may not win. He's not. He's not going to win if he holds two thousand. But I think that the fact that he's he's put himself in that position from where he was coming from, I so much respect it. So anytime people you hear me talk about goats and all that kind of shit, I say I'm I'm seeing goats. The person that I, I was really talking about when I first used to say that was Jen Thompson. Yeah, I wasn't chasing. I wasn't chasing TD Davis. TD Davis weighed two hundred pounds more than me, so I never <laughs> viewed him. As my competition, I was looking at Wilkes and I remember they said there's Jen Thompson had the highest Wilkes male or female on the planet. And this was IPF world, you know, our world. Yeah. And I remember saying, I'm a catcher. And I did. But,
2: you know. It changed. Yeah. Then they changed the, the formula so you can never catch and now it. Now I'm like but, number nine. But number listen, nine. it. If you bench three hundred keys at like three hundred pounds natural, you you're not gonna you're gonna let people say that somebody else is the best bencher of all
1: time. Of course not. That's why I, that's why. I, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, I think that's the, I think that's the number because I I think Jake doing it is a foregone conclusion. And um, there's like a little guy I don't know his name, but he he was driving me fucking crazy just talking about Jake 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 Jake. And I'm like, this dude is on Jake's dick, like you know what I'm saying. And he used to always talk about him. And one time I watched him, I'm just like, "Yeah, Jake, Jake's that good. Like he's really that fucking good." Yeah,
2: cause he like he doesn't got that like fake arch bend press. He's just fucking oh,
1: strong. He lays on the bench, and the funny thing about only thing that's gonna hurt him, and I, and I don't and I don't mean hurt him, that would hold him back is if he's scared to go up to 264, or yeah. go up to next weight class, because his frame. When you look at the weight versus his body, that's the thing. Like with me, I have small joints. Like my you know, if you look at me like my my I don't have huge I don't like know, all man.
2: it's a big ass pipe.
1: Dude, your fucking forearms are huge. Like the difference between me being a uh a raw bench equipped, you guys handle weights that I could I've never handled before. And I think the stabilization would be the biggest issue with me crossing mm-hmm. over. Um and also I don't I'm I'm not sure if I and also I try to put on a shirt and it's like how the fuck I thought y'all were lifting in a shirt that was made of wrist wraps. Like I thought it was the same material and I, Oh, it's I a bench like,
3: daddy.
2: Nah, yeah, they make those shits, but that's not what we wear. <laughs> no. But honestly, Jay Mike, is and we talked about this on the podcast a lot cuz a lot of our listeners are single ply lifters, like ripped out dudes, dudes who are built like bodybuilders, they don't they don't usually do well in gear. Like you just need to be big bone, thick, like have just mass. Like you,
0: J. Mike could get a Jay little carryover.
2: You, me, and him have a similar body.
0: Listen, next time
2: we link up, like I'm, I'm pissed. He I didn't bring shirts scary. for you, but next time we link up, we gotta, we just gotta put you in the shirt. Like we actually, put everybody like, else in a shirt in Denver except you.
1: I, and I really wanted, I really, because I said that I, I actually contacted somebody, and they still haven't contacted me back. But um uh, I was gonna try to do equip just. Like I said, like for something else for me to shoot for, like, you know, like, oh, well, let me uh, try equipped. And I, I'll never forget, I was, someone was like a 600 bencher. <laughs> they said a 600 bencher raw equals 550 equipped. <laughs> Cause they were like, bro, you're going to suck ass. And I'm sitting it's gonna there to like, I'm like, bro, y'all don't know me, but I know that I see y'all bruised up and shit. I don't know if I can get past that. Like, I don't know if I could be bruised up and shit. And, and talk about seven because watching watching you bench, you were benching before I did at the um yeah the what in in Colorado, and I was like, what the fuck? Jay Mike was on I, his I own never time. I never. I was seen like, why is
2: Jay Mike not benching in the bench exhibition time
1: slot? <laughs> Because I thought that they were giving us our own time cuz y'all were lifting so much heavier weight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and I wound up I was I I, was, I think I did 550 and almost died or something. So I was like, "Yo, you did
2: 562 ass. and rolled off the bench." And I was like, "He ain't he ain't right."
1: Yeah, I was. Yeah. it But you know, that's when, that's when I started dealing with shoulder issues, but um it's different. And I I think it's something I might want to do and also when I'm 55, shit, no telling, I might be 350. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm, you know,
2: well, that's the thing about equipped in Fort Collins. I felt like me and Kelsey started lifting in equipment, and no one was really paying attention. And then we really loaded shit up, and like all those raw lifters, like we, me and Kelsey were like the the outliers, you know. And like, no matter what it is, when you load up those weights, whether you have equipment or not, people are gonna stop and watch. So it was pretty cool. And then we got a bunch of people in gear, but we gotta we gotta get you in the mix next year. Yeah, no one, but, no
1: one, that's another thing. No one gave a fuck. I was benching, so I really was over it
2: yeah yeah i just i just loaded up 800 then you're trying to load up some 550 shit nobody cares
1: <laughs> 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 no, no you're, right, you're... Right. no you're dead right you're right one Mike.
3: thing i'll say is that shirted benching is a lot of fun like honestly equip squatting fucking sucks Deadlifting in suit fucking sucks yeah. in the shirt is sick you like, listen, like you it. like
2: x games man just it's like bench press x games mode that's all it is if you, just... like,
0: if you like living on the edge? <laughs> yeah. You feel like you might what, die what or you might What
2: shirt you recommend? What shirt?
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, you you just got to get you got to hit up Ken Anderson and get yourself a katana, man. You be yeah, good. straight. I
1: probably can't do that one. I think that bridge is burned. The but, uh... hit up Titan, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, what, they, you know, so they they yeah, so that's who it's the F7. I think I have a Fury 6. A... Yeah, that
3: might be have, a good starter whatever, shirt.
1: Whatever shirt I have everybody says it sucks.
3: Yeah, and like, like in a year, <laughs> in a year you'll want to bolt, but maybe don't start yeah, there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so the deal is, how could I ever do this by myself? Could you ever do it by yourself? No, you're in Houston, though. You got
2: there's yeah, people in Houston.
1: There's a thousand people. So since I've come, yeah, into we might this,
0: we're gonna be out there. We're gonna be <laughs> out there in a few weeks in March.
1: Okay, well we'll we'll hook up then. Yeah. But people have every person is they everybody wants to see me in a shirt. They were like, I want to see you in a shirt. I'll go to nationals, and a bunch of guys be like, I want to see you in a shirt. I want to see you in a shirt. And I think most people want to see me in a shirt. Like, I know you wanted to see me in a shirt because I was going to suck ass. But oh, yeah. I think I think it's good. I think now it's good for, for that to happen. Like, for me to go into a shirt and look bad, I'm not saying y'all need the credibility or any extra. But it kind of shows, <laughs> like, bro, this shit is different. Like, this ain't, this ain't what y'all think it is. You can't put, like, oh, he, he benches 900 without a shirt, but he probably benches 440. That ain't it. You know what I'm saying? It got I know they got some of the guys who are equipped who are benching over six hundred pounds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It has to be.
2: Yeah. Like Blaine, Blaine is a six hundred pound bencher, and you know, he's obviously getting a shit ton out of his shirt, but he it doesn't really matter. Raw equipped, he's he's nasty. But
1: like what is what is his bench and equipped?
2: equip? He benched a
1: thousand. I mean, I thought it was more like almost eleven hundred
2: or something. No, no, no. He benched a thousand three in a bench only meet and he benched <laughs> nine. 26 or 930 in a full meet after squatting 1100 so it's crazy
1: I just remember everybody telling me like I, I said I, I posted a picture and it was like me and a, I was like I'm coming to equipment it was like it ain't the same bro a bunch yeah, of people here.
2: the it thing is the man same. like I was pretty athletic growing like I had a similar experience to you I tried a lot of different things and I was pretty athletic a pretty high level athlete in some some regards I threw D1 track I threw shot put on a D one track team before I found powerlifting, but like when I put gear on, I immediately took to it. Like it was easy for me. I was getting hundreds of pounds right away because I feel like good athletes might have some type of body awareness that you're more successful in equipment and you really need to process a lot of information like on your descent, like really quickly and like be an athlete. And so like for you, that might be something that, you know, maybe you will be good right away in a shirt, but you got to find out. And that's the only way is just do it.
1: That shit's scary, man. I ain't gonna lie. To you. <laughs> yeah, when but we come to
2: Houston, we'll we'll get you in one.
1: Oh, most definitely. But I do like the fact that that there 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 are people who kind of think that I can't do it. But at the same time, watching people handle that kind of weight, like me and Julius, are cool. Really, me and Julius are actually really cool. And uh, Julius loves basketball. Like Julius think Julius wants to be a basketball player. Like he literally wants to be a basketball. player. He's a little too big. <laughs> but he, he he was the he was the big kid that played center who you know he was that kid growing up but uh, we're supposed to do a basketball video but uh i i talked to him and uh, you know early on you know he's always telling me he wanted to come lift in the IPF like you know I you know that was a time where he was saying he was going to come over uh, you know bench in the IPF and i just remember some of the things you know just talking to him or watching him handle weight in the animal because you know i've I've got an opportunity to bench an animal cage as well and um you know watching guys who bench more than me but the fact that i do it the way that i do it i always look at like their numbers not the same like julius's numbers no matter what the situation is shit is kind of crazy at this point because before they broke that barrier where it was 738 like nobody's ever going to bench my deadlift Motherfuckers is now benching my deadlift. Like, I don't care how you go about doing it, it's 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 impressive. But it's crazy. Uh it's it's at this point now, it's just like pretty crazy. If he's able to, you know, figure out his right side on lockout, you know, we're gonna see a eight hundred pounds. I saw
2: like he did like seven fifty for three the
1: other day or some shit.
2: Like it's only a matter of
1: time. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: But I mean we're going long. I don't wanna I don't wanna end this without hearing the reason behind you switching into the usapl
1: <clears throat> okay so um i i do an ipf meet my first meet's ipf meet um my original thing was i just wanted to get a, a certificate that said i bench pressed 500 pounds in life my dad is a big guy i'm little mike still my dad's like 6 4 340 pounds like he's a he's big mike but I remember when I first got into weights and um, I benched 300 for the first time. And I remember my dad telling me he benched 300. So I'm like, dad, I finally caught you on bench. And he was like, what you bench? I said, 300. He said, oh shit, I benched 400. So i was like, damn, I must have heard that, you know, whatever. So as I got stronger, I was like, dad, I benched four. He was like, shit, I was benching five. The number just kept changing, right? And uh, I remember when it, he said, that not five, he was like 485. And I remember when I finally hit 500, he was like, shit, you finally passed me. You know what I'm saying? When I hit 500. And I was like, you know, my son, I didn't want him to, me tell, cause I can't wait when I'm like old and shit, I'm gonna be telling some super stories, right? So I'm like, everything that I've said I've done, there's video footage of, like anything. If I hit 425 foot bombs, it's on YouTube. So everything I've ever said in this video, so if anybody's watching this, there's video footage. Go to uh, Mr. Athletic go everything on YouTube. You'll see me doing all the shit I'm saying. But I, I wanted to it. have proof that I did the 500 bench. I go to the bench and dudes is like drugged out. They're screaming. They're spitting in their mouths and just doing all kind of weird shit. I had never seen anything like this before. I had tights on under my singlet because I was uncomfortable. Like the shit was weird. And I benched 500 and the guy, A guy came up to me and was like, hey, man, that's a hell of a bench you got there. He said, what you about to open with on deadlift? And I was like, deadlift? I was like, well, I'm, I don't do that. I just bench press. And he goes, oh. And I was like, well, what, what was that? And he says, well, the guy you just got finished beating on bench, he had to squat first, and now he's about to deadlift. And I'm like, what the fuck that got to do with the T in China? Like, I, I just bench <laughs> I beat him. He goes, well, anybody could do that. He said, but you do a full meet. And I didn't know anything in terms of what totals. I didn't understand it. And I said, he said, well, I said, well, what's a good total? And he said, for a guy your size, I say, 18, 1900 would be a good total for you. But he said, I said, what's a great total? He said, 2000. Now, mind you, coming from table tennis was a sport that I left coming into powerlifting. 2000 is the number to be considered good in table tennis. So I was like, you know what? Perfect. I said, next year, I'll have a 2,000 pound total at this meet. And he goes, you're going to need drugs. You're going to need a team. And he says, you're going to need a coach. You know what I'm saying? You don't know anything. I said, even better. Next year, I'll have a total at 2,000 pounds. We bet 300 bucks. A year later, a month earlier, I had a 2,000 pound total. So now I'm thinking, everyone's going to love me. I I documented this. I was drug free. I told everyone I was drug free. And that's one of the biggest mistakes I made is that I didn't understand that people looked down. It was almost like they were they flipped the fact that I was drug free against me. And I'm sitting up there like now in retrospect, if I had to do it over, I just would have kept it moving instead of making it like I'm drug free. I'm drug free. I'm drug free. And everybody, nah, man, just you like, did the right bro- thing. I no, I, I think. In retrospect, I think that wasn't a place for it. It's like it's almost like you going somewhere, and you're expecting that, like going to a a a Celtics game, and you got all you got bullshit on, and you're like, why everybody isn't accepting me? Like you're not around the Celtics, you know. Whatever the case may be, and I I stood on that, and they took it personally. When I hit two thousand, some people were happy for me, but a lot of people were kind of like, fuck that guy. Like, fuck him. He thinks he's better than us. He's genetically gifted. He's black. You know, he's a super athlete. He's probably on drugs like, you know, they're the main ones that, you know, they're on drugs, the ones that say they're not all this kind of shit. So I hit a 760 deadlift to pull 2000. I cry like a bitch. I was in such shambles. I couldn't even do my third attempt. So afterwards, I'm in the bathroom. One of the judges, while I'm peeing, comes up to me and says, you know I red lighted you, right? So I'm looking over at him, I'm like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. You know, I just told 2,000, <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> like, He says, the way you're built, you cannot deadlock. He said, you cannot lock out. It's impossible for you to lock out. It's the way you're built. So I'm like, sitting up there like, bro, who gives a fuck? I just told 2,000. I'm about to put this shit on YouTube. I'm about to be famous. Like, what the fuck are you <laughs> Yeah. So when this happens, I was so wrecked. It was like all that time, that entire year, I was doing a meet every week, <laughs> not every week. I wasn't T Cummins, but I was doing a week. I was doing a meet probably once a month. I, was, I think I did eight meets in 2014 to 2015 when I did it. And um, in the middle of that, I actually did a, a USAPL meet. So when they were first, when I first was getting close to 2000, I said, they was like, if you're so drug free, go do a, a USAPL meet. I was like, you know, fuck, I'm gonna go do one. So I go to the Reliance Center and I forgot the guy's name. He's an older gentleman. He saw my, my numbers. He said, hey, I think you made a mistake on your bench. You're saying you're opening it at uh, 250 kilos. And I was like, yeah, I am. And he goes, oh, well, who are you? So he literally says, I'm going to follow you. So he literally followed me for every lift that I did. And he was calling me hard as shit. And we get to deadlift. He bombed me out on deadlift. And afterwards he goes, I'm only trying to get you ready for Ray and Blaine. He said, you just gotta work on some things. I'm just like, I can't go to nationals now. You done bombed me out. And, uh, <laughs> so this was in the USAPL? Yeah, it was USAPL. I forgot the guy's name, but everyone knows the guy. He's an older gentleman. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad that happened. I came back to USAPL, they following me in total 2000. Well, from the time I told 2000, it's like I hit a wall. Like I couldn't move. I couldn't walk for damn near a month. I was beat up. I think everything hit me at one time and um. I tried to do a, a comeback meet, but I noticed no one was giving me my praise. Like they weren't treating me like B.J. Whitehead. B.J. Whitehead uh, it was a god in the USAAPL. Like he was sponsored by Iron Rebel. He had these big ass traps. Everybody loved him. And I actually looked up to him early on. You know what I'm saying? Because he was the same age as I was. He was a school teacher, much like I was. And I started having issues with some of the USAPL lifters because, I mean, not USAPL, USPA lifters, because it was like I was kind of, they viewed me as complaining or you think you're better than everybody. So when this happened, instead of people embracing me, everybody just flipped on me. So I took a little bit of time off. I come back and Rob Hall um, pops up and Rob Hall breaks all my little records that I had. And starts talking shit to me, like you ain't shit. I just destroyed your records. I have only been lifting for three days, and such and such. <laughs> and uh, Chris uh, uh, Chris Papion was uh, oh like, my god,
3: a, CPAP, dude.
1: Actually, oh, this, C-Pap, by the way, guys, C-Pap,
3: this guy's a C-Pap. fucking legend on Outlaws Powerlifting. <laughs> He's a legend. He's a legend, <laughs> well, man.
1: Well, Chris Chris Papion is a, he knows the history of the sport. That's one. Yeah, thing. he does. And um. He, he kind of was telling me, he actually, he actually, uh, he actually got a, it's a better story with him. My first meet, I did the 225 for like 50 something. and Everybody was looking like, what in the fuck is this dude doing? And I remember he goes, he goes, hey, man, he said, what you want? I'm like, what I want I'm like, I don't take nothing. He said, "I'm on everything. What you need?" <laughs> yeah. And I remember. He, well,
2: he he's in prison for selling. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I remember during that time that he was actually super supportive with me, which is which is I I find that uh you know I I always like when he when he makes posts and stuff, I uh, I just remember the fact that he was like, "You're gonna be just like David Douglas. You remind me of David Douglas." He was like, "You could be good, man." He was like, "You just gotta stay with it, blah blah blah. Just do such stuff." He's like, "Look, man, you ain't gotta do no drugs, man. Just do uh um." Uh, peptides and some, some shit he told me. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but he was at the very first meet and you know, that first meet I squatted four forty and bench 501, but that's, that's here and over there. But, um, so all this stuff happens. I'm thinking people are going to embrace them. They don't. I go to a meet, my comeback meet. Uh, there was, uh, I'm supposed to do a meet with Rob Hall. I want to back out. My dad had emergency surgery. He calling me pussy. Everybody's like, he's scared of competition. He's a, you know, whatever, whatever. So I do this comeback meet. I spend like $1,000 on treatment, rehab, all this kind of stuff. Well, in the process of doing this, one of the judges comes up to me and says, hey man, he says, uh, if I was you, I'll change all of, your, all of your attempts, I would change them. He goes, why? I said, why? He says, well, we just had a meeting about you. I said, what you mean? He says, the meet director just came to us and said that you don't lock out and you don't squat to depth, and you, you're, you are you know, watch all of your lifts, so I'm sitting up there, like, damn, that's kind of, I think that's kind of weird, but at the time, this is when my deadlift, it got really good, I started pulling over 800, so I'm sitting up there, like, well, let's see, so I open at 500 on squat, just to kind of see what happened, when I came up to squat, he removed the the umpire or the the official out of the chair the the meet director his name is tommy he uh he removes the he removed the judge and he calls my lifts. so i get the first squat get the second squat i miss my third outright so we get the bench press weirdest thing ever i've never had anyone hand off to me i always use the hand off people that they had i go out there for bench and no one says anything people are like you can just tell no one's fucking with me right so i go out there and I'm, I'm grabbing the bar. Now, mind you, I only been powerlifting a year. So I don't know the rules really. I thought that once you touch the bar, you couldn't take your hands off the bar well, on bench. I don't know why I thought this. <laughs> You're making up your own I rules. Go up, <laughs> I go up there, grab the bar and I'm like, all right, waiting for a spotter or something. I have a mouthpiece in. So I'm like, one, and I'm like, wait, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have a spotter. I see the clock going. And I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to tell the judge that. I need a I me a lift-off. So after a while, he leans and he said, Hey man, hey, come get this guy a lift off. So they grab some dude out the audience and he just comes and just dumps the weight on me. And I'm and I kind of miss it. So when this happens, it was 545. So what, what the story is is that everyone said I opened too high. But in all actuality, it was a fucked up handoff. It was random. So I'm like, I need a spot, I need a lift off. And everybody's looking at me like, find them a liftoff. You could just tell they were against me. Mm-hmm. I go back out. I hit the 545. Then I go up for 562. I miss it. So now deadlift comes. He removes, he removes the judge for deadlift when I come up. And when I finish, he get, he goes away. So I open at 700. I throw it through the roof. Now I jump to 771. I throw 771 through the roof. I put the weight down. He looks at me and goes, and when he goes, the other judge changes. I'm sitting up there like, wait, what? So everybody in the crowd's like, wait, what just happened? It was like, he got that lift. So I look at the video and I flip out. So I start like, what the fuck going on? I'm out, I'm quitting, blah, blah, blah. So next thing you know, they was like, look, don't let them do you like that. They was like, that's what they want you to do. Don't do it. Just take it again, you know, whatever. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I go back out again. I throw 771 through the roof again he looks at me and the other kid goes down the head judge is like what the, tom tom amalan or whatever his name is he's a very good deadlifter but he's like he's sitting around like like what the fuck So after the meet i still win the meet i go to the uh the hit the the president of uspa texas at the time his name was robert gallows robert gallows his name robert was. gallows um, I go to him and I go, what the fuck? So I show him the phone, I'm like, look, what's up? He goes, that looks like a good lift. I said, you damn right is a good lift. So Tommy comes up to me and says, I only fucked you on one call. So I'm sitting up there like, you hit this shit? So I'm telling Robert, I'm like, you hear what he's saying? So he goes, look, man, all right, we right, he'll never call one of your lifts again, man. We'll just make sure that, I'm like, bro, I done spent a thousand dollars on rehab. I done bust my ass to come back. I'm the best lifter in the Federation. And this is how y'all treat. I ain't Actually, I ain't even getting into that. But I was like, this is how y'all doing me. I was like, you know, what's up with this? This is some bullshit. So next thing you know, it's a back and forth. So I win best lifter. Of course, I break and snap the trophy. I cut (laughs) up. I'm like, I'm, I'm very upset and angry. So next thing you know, people are saying that I had guns, right? They're saying that I'm about to shoot this motherfucker up. All this kind of stuff. Now, mind you. I have two college degrees. I've never been arrested. I've never done anything wrong in my life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like they're painting this this picture about me that <laughs> technically doesn't apply. So I'm listening that, so so all this shit gets out. I call Steve Dennison. Steve Dennison does the wildest shit I ever heard in my life. This is I don't know if I ever told anybody this, but when he contacts me, I'm telling him what happened. He goes, "Yeah, that's messed up, man." He, i said look i spent all this money the man said he robbed me in front of the president and all this stuff what kind of discipline is going to happen he goes wait um i'll be right back he goes um before we go any further um can you pay your membership dues um your, your dues is <laughs> you didn't pay your dues they were due uh last week i goes i paid my membership what are you talking about i actually paid my membership but they missed they missed it and he goes oh my bad so i said through all what I just told you, you had the nerve to come to tell me about paying my about members. membership
2: dues. Yeah.
1: So then he says, "Well, look. To be honest with you, lifters at your caliber shouldn't even be lifting in local meets. You should only be lifting at the um at the LA Fit Expo." So he says, "That's where you're supposed to be lifting." I was like, "I would never lift here again." I was like, "I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about." So at this time, I'm the biggest crybaby in the world at this point. So all these people are contact Ed Cones contacted me. And everybody's like, yo, what's going on, man? Like, wh- what, what's happening? And mind you, I've never talked to Abe. I never spoke to Abe, never been contacted by Abe before. And he was just like, "Yo, yup, man, you know, I'm sorry this happened to you. He was like, but, you know, the people who threw the meat were re- well-respected. Um, they're a uh, meat, um, woodland strength and whatever here in, in Texas. They threw all the meats locally. So it was like, if I was having this problem, I would never be able to do a competition again. low. Because at the time I never traveled for powerlifting. So um, I get, into, I started getting death threats. And um, I remember this one guy, because typically if you're a good powerlifter, I typically think that people understand. So if if I look in your bio, you got a 2000 total and you've done some stuff, I feel like I, I'll listen to what you have to say, you know, whatever. And I said, listen, man, I'm an athlete at the end of the day, I never went in this trying to be, you know, world record holder. I just, I'm an athlete. He goes, just because you play tree hockey doesn't make you anything special. Now, mind you, I'm like, tree hockey? The fuck is that? Who so said this? What fuck is tree this hockey? This dude. So I'm sitting up there like, that felt disrespectful as fuck. And it took me a day to, I was like, that didn't sound right. So I look it up and it's a term for black people playing basketball. I had never heard that shit before. This is like some next level racist shit. Yeah, it's fucked up. So at this point, I, I go online and I make the video and anytime back in the day, if you saw me with a button up shirt on in the red couch, you know, I was meaning business, right? So I go on and I'm like getting these death threats and all this shit. And at this point, Steve Goggins had reached back out to me and was like, look, man, what the hell going on down there? He was like, look, man, you're not going to be able to lift down there no more. He said, I know you're a drug free athlete. So maybe you should go to the USAPL. And then this is where you come in at Joe. So I switch over. And when I switch over, everybody was so nice to me. I'm talking about like it was it was beautiful, like to a point where people were actually like welcoming and very friendly. And I was like, damn, this is where I should have been the whole time. Yeah. But when you told
2: Ed Cohn you were going to lift in
1: the USAPL, what did he say? No, no. Well, it it, it, it was it was cool. I, I don't know what part I don't know the story that i'm not sure if it got mixed up or not but it really didn't he just was more like the death threat the racial shit was kind of weird you know what i'm saying like that's not what the sport is about yeah
2: he's not down with that
1: but but he asked you he asked you something right no no that's what goggins asked me you really are you really clean you know what i'm saying (laughs) that's who really asked me if i was really clean was goggins it, it really is. It was Goggins who really yeah, asked. I thought me. it was
2: Ed who was like, "But are you really clean?"
1: No, no, no. That was that was, that was Steve. That was Steve. That was, <laughs> that was. Damn, I must have been talking a lot. That was Steve when I first met him. But at this point, I, everybody kind of knew what time I was on with that shit. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, when that stuff happened, that was uh, so that was right into so I, I, right before Raw Nationals 2016. All this happens. I come to the USAPL. I do well at Raw Nationals. I'm getting ready for the Arnold. I make the world team. I'm alternate on the open world team. I'm going as a master, getting ready for the Arnold. The GoFundMe
2: comes out. <laughs> yeah, the GoFundMe. That's when, that's when you were like, wow, not everybody's so nice. That's, this- when,
1: that's when everybody's not so nice, right? So <laughs> I'm sitting up there. Now, mind you, if anyone knows me, I've, I've been a personal trainer since 2001. I really started doing well for myself in 2011. I mean, 2006, 2007. I started making six figures as a personal trainer. I was world recognized for Valley Total Fitness as one of the best trainers in America. All this kind of stuff. So I've done pretty well. Have nice things, nice old school cars, nice you know million dollar car collection. All this kind of stuff. And when this happened, my clients who some of my some of the people that I've worked with were a lot of these rich kids. They have no aspirations for being uh, professional athletes. They have no desperation. And typically what you find with these kind of kids is that they have, West U Little League is one of the best Little League organizations in the world. Only 10% of them that go to Little League World Series and all this shit ever play high school baseball. They get burnt out. I've been able to work with some of these kids, help them go off to college and all this kind of stuff. So when people find out that I'm doing ipf worlds and all this kind of stuff whoa y'all y'all still there
3: yeah, yeah.
1: uh something just happened okay all right so <laughs> when people find out that i'm doing ipf worlds and all this stuff they say hey man if you need anything let us know so i'm sitting up there like well i don't know i said well it's like hey just let us know where to put the money so i'm sitting there, like well what the fuck i don't want them to think that you know i'm i'm asking them for money and i was like well i'll just start a go funny, but i wasn't going to tell anybody right so I didn't say anything. I didn't, I never made a post. I didn't ask anybody for anything, anything. My clients started putting money into the GoFundMe. Like people, like, hey, well, here's a thousand dollars, here's such and such. I can't, I, I know I think I know who it was who one of the people, but when people started doing the GoFundMe for the Arnold, you and Tina were very vocal about it. Tina's argument was if you can't afford to go. By paying your own money, you, if you can't save your own pennies, you shouldn't go. Like I put my pennies to the side to go, and what what the problem I had with that was, the only people that had GoFundmes were black. Like I swear to God, I looked on it, I was like, God damn, I was like, every black person that every black person on here is the on, they're the only people that made GoFundmes. Mm-hmm. So that was coming off of the heels of the shit that I just went through. So I didn't I didn't see how you're thinking or, or what the thoughts of the people who are looking at it from the other side of it, who are saying, this is a hobby. Like, why should another man sponsor another man's hobby? And my natural smart ass is like, that's the reason why you can't win is because you view this as a hobby. I take it as an obsession, but I I came up with that. It was more or less a, 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 a reply to that. But I thought that I contacted Tina because when I saw, because basically the conversation y'all had was who is doing the GoFundMe? Do they even have a chance to win? And her response was one of them should do well. And I thought when she said that she was referring to me or whatever the case may be. And I contacted her to tell her like, yo, I didn't ask anybody for money. This got set up. I'm not trying to ask anybody for anything. I'm not trying to freeload or anything like that. And then I remember Some of the counter argument was, you know, if you're a grown ass man, you shouldn't ask anything for anybody else. And I took offense to it in a sense of that wasn't the situation for me. I didn't tell anybody. I I didn't know. Honestly, I didn't know that once you made it, it became open to the public because I I never I never once mentioned it on social media or anything. So I'm sitting up there like I don't know how I
2: saw it then.
1: But but. but Someone See, else must have reposted is, they said, it. They said once you create it, it's 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 live. So if you type in um, USAPL, I mean USAPL Raw Nationals or IPF Worlds, it popped up because they, they they started naming the people that had GoFundmes. And
2: yeah, there was some list. I think there was a list. Yeah, and my and my I mean.
1: problem with it was, and and I'll say this, and this is why I was always sensitive about certain things is because growing up. As a as a guy who I didn't grow up with a lot, you know what I'm saying? i I'm, I've made myself into what I'm into. You know what I'm saying? Like I literally bust my ass. I graduated from college with multiple degrees. I went on to teach. I've helped inner city um, schools. I've donated my time, my equipment. So I felt like the energy was mis- mis- misguided in a sense. And it was more like an attack on like it, it kind of felt it kind of made me feel it felt like someone was attacking me socially economically almost you know what i'm saying and i don't and, and, and in retrospect i think i was sensitive because of where i came from and i thought that i was coming from something that was better and i view that as super negative and i'm sitting up there like damn i was like it felt like someone saying hey if you can't afford, like so if if in this sport, I think you should want the best athletes there, not the people that can afford to go. Mm-hmm. And and in really. some cases, and your point was, listen, this is a hobby. If, if you ain't got the money, you shouldn't go. And, and to be honest with you, in some ways, that's actually kind of right. You shouldn't put yourself in a situation where if you can't recoup or make more off of the, the trip, you probably shouldn't go. I took it from a I took it personal from the standpoint of like I'm not needy I don't I don't need this shit I go yeah. sell a Jordan rookie card if I need you know if I really need some money you know what I'm saying but I I, I took that shit so personal and I I think that because the only people that actually had visible GoFundmes were black and I that's why I took it there and I was mad bro like I was really I was I was pissed and I'm sitting up there and what happened is every person I was like. Fuck Joe. I was like, I said <laughs> <laughs> and, and And this is what made me change my tune. Every person that knew how I felt said, you would love Joe. <laughs> That's what Bonico like, is telling me. Bonico said, was like, like, you'll
2: love J Mike.
1: I'm like, fuck that guy. I was like, he a piece of shit. I can't believe he did such and such, such and such. And I found over the years that a lot of times when people Say something like that; it means something. And I had Greg tell me the same thing, Bonica tell me the same thing, Marty tell me the same thing. I'm like, he could have had a bad day, but or not understand. You know what I'm saying? And I said I didn't even express myself, and I'm very articulate and to the point to where I'll express myself. But for me to be like, I'll be at the Arnold at booth such and such. I'm ready for whatever. I'm sitting up there and people are like, Jason, you are, uh, they're going to remember this. I was pissed and I'm sitting up there like, I did nothing wrong, man. I'm like, why is this dude fucking with me? I and- feel like
2: the first time I got to meet you, like, in like, like get up close and personal with you. Like I made sure in Fort Collins, I, I made Greg, I was like, Greg, go sit with the guys. Cause I'm going to go sit with Darrington and J Mike and Charlie and Ian. You guys, you guys were high as fuck. But I sat across from you, and I was like, J. Mike, we got to talk." And you were like, "You would, you would sit down right now. You like, you would do this shit to me right now."
1: <laughs> no, I was, I, listen, I was, I was already feeling like Jesus was pushing me into my chair, and I'm sitting up there. I'm a square, like I don't know if you know that, but I'm a super square. So I had never eaten certain things before, so I'm literally feeling like someone is doing this to me, and I'm saying like. Joe, big as a motherfucker. I'm like, I might be in trouble. <laughs> so I'm sitting up there, let's just try to keep my cool. And then you started talking, and I was like, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like certain people, the way they carry themselves, it's it's uh, it's it's like, uh, it's kind of like a respect thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you're the guy. Like people goes out, you be like, I got the bill. I got
2: yeah. It. Well, you I was I was, cl- I was clowning on that post, so like. For me to say this is only a hobby for me is kind of ridiculous because everybody that knows me knows I live and breathe this shit and I've been doing this shit for 15 years and I've sacrificed. The thing was at that time, and you know I've been to seven straight IPF worlds and, 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 and a world games in that time, so I traveled all over the world. And in my early years, I was spending my own money. And I was a 24, 25-year-old kid, and I have a good job, good career, but you know, I don't come from money. My family doesn't have money. So most of the money I was making, I was paying off school debt and I was traveling for powerlifting and I was broke. And so when people put up GoFundMes, I was kind of salty about it. Cause I was never like, I did fundraisers. I sold, you know, work did fundraisers or like whatever. And then I got sponsorships and eventually I started, okay, now I'm traveling for free. Right. And you know, like that was big for me, but on the early years, I, you know, when I saw that shit, I was salty because I was like, I'm really busting my ass and committing my whole life to this. Like, um, and so like, I just didn't like it. And like, in retrospect, if someone wants to give Jay Mike money or someone wants to give someone money, I should just shut my fucking mouth. Cause it doesn't matter. Um, and like, for me to say this sport is only a hobby then, even especially then was crazy because it was literally, I was obsessed. But I just saw it differently. I was obsessed with a hobby. You know what I'm saying? It could almost be yeah. the whole the whole thing. It wasn't I knew I had a professional career that was gonna you know make sure I had a decent life as long as I didn't fuck it up. You know, so that's kind of where I was coming from. And honestly I wish we talked earlier because like the the you know, the black athletes part of it, even when we talked in Fort Collins, like that shit went over my head. I didn't realize what I was doing and I might have offended you that way that shit. I told you that story with Goggins was because Goggins, I talk shit about Goggins and Malik Durstine and they were calling me a racist. And I was like, yo, it's just, just crazy because like, it's just like, it's just saying that because of the situation and taking it out of context. And I'm like, that shit is just the craziest, that's just the craziest thing I ever heard. But like, I didn't even realize that that shit went over my head. Yeah, and the great thing awesome. about power thing is like you Ray Williams, like, um, Kim Walford, like, all the heroes of the sport, Bonica, you know I'm tight with Bonica. Like, all the heroes of the sport are black, a lot of them. Ross, Yeah, Russ. Or he's, yeah. like, the biggest name in the Gosh. game. And so, like, when I talk about a situation like GoFundMes and shit, I'm not even, you know, I'm in, I'm in this powerlifting community, USAPL. I'm not thinking about race. You know, USPA is trash. <laughs> like, we don't operate like that. So I wasn't really thinking about it that way and uh I just was like yo this dude like I see you posting your your nice ass Dodge Charger Challenger or whatever and $72. then <laughs> and then putting up the go I was like that's kind of whack you know but I'll see at the end of the day like you know I was going, I was just crazy back then I was crazy because in the thick of it when I was a, a, coming up and trying to win a world and going to worlds every year I was I was broke I made myself broke <laughs> for this shit. So I had a chip you know, on my, shoulder. you know, you know
1: what, you know, it's even crazier is that I'm like, why you just don't be blamed? Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> beat you, and, I, and I don't know. Like, that's like somebody like me being so fucking stoked to be coming in second to Ray is like yeah. so outside of my personality. But sometimes you're playing against the goat. And if you're playing against the goat, there's nothing you can do. So I don't give a fuck if your obsession is your hobby and your hobby is your obsession. That the motherfucker on the side of the the table. Well, that's another
2: thing. It was it was hard for me to to even admit like this is this is my entire life. But I I I can't win, and yeah. so I had to start looking at it like you know maybe it is you know I got I'm focused on my career and I'm focused on this shit. But really, all I thought about every day was powerlifting, and it was hard for me to admit because I couldn't fucking win. I still haven't won, but you know it is what it is. Like we were talking about Brad Gillingham earlier. Like Brad Gillingham did not win a lot of meets. Because he was lifting against Brian Siders and, you know, other super heavyweights. Brad Gillingham won Worlds once for a guy that lifted, you know, now th- probably 30 years and deadlifted 800 pounds 100 times in competition. He's, he right. won Open Worlds once. You know what I'm saying? Because he there were dudes that were, were bigger and stronger than him. And you know, but but Brad, Brad, like like you were saying, you're staying in your lane and you're gonna count your six hundred bench presses and you're gonna do it your way. That's the same shit he did, and that's why he's a legend. So it's like it doesn't even matter at the end of the day. So Yeah.
1: But I, I'm 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 kinda like I said, um I've matured like I'm forty three, about to turn forty four, but I'm extremely childish as fuck. I listen to young <laughs> people music. I, I wear fly shit. Like I was offended when Ray was talking about the skinny jeans shit. But like I don't wear, I don't wear super tight jeans and shit. But when Ray said that, Ray is like, you can tell Ray's getting a little older. You know what I'm saying? Like he was yeah. just like, y'all, are skinny jeans. But it's one of those things where I, I kind of view this as a, as a way of staying young. And even the people I travel with, you know, they're all like between twenty. Sometimes it'll be a young kid. He's like twenty two, and I freak him the fuck out. Like they're just like, J. Mike is so much. Like you know what I'm saying? I'll just do it. Just I'll do the J Mike shit just to see how they react. Little to it. Charlie Yang. Oh, yeah. Oh, Charlie, Char- Char- Charlie, is super cool, but it's like to the point where I could tell, like, he's like a pure, super, pure kid, super cool. And um, you know, I I've I've tried to 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 learn how not to be the guy all the time. Like I've offered my services to help some of the guys who don't have great benches. Like a lot of these guys, they squat the world, they deadlift the world, and their benches is trash. And I've, <laughs> I've offered my services to even people that would be ahead of me if they got their benches up. And I, a, a, a guy who's very good contacted me today about helping him with his bench. And like I said, I want to be that guy now, like learning to be that vet. And, and, and this is something that I always was a star, but you can't be that guy like that for long. And one, one thing I learned from Tony, like Tony, Tony Harris has been a huge inspiration for me. I got a chance to travel the world with Tony. We went to Nauru, um, we kicked it at the Arnold shit. Tony is the OG of all OGs, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like yeah. he, still, he still get it, he got it, he sees shit, he got eyes, you know, like he he's very, it's, it's fun. And I'm like, you know what? I can see myself being 53, you know, still talking my shit, still beating everybody on bench. You know, I don't have to win first, but if I know I beat these little young motherfuckers, I'll be enough to keep me going. And when I started the, the clothing stuff, I, I started looking at it from the standpoint. I was like, you know, trying to uh, figure out how to do it. And I said, you know, I'm going to take that on as something that I wanted to do and, and, and maybe have a different message with it, like make it mean something. Because like literally I remember wearing shirts like with all this shit on, like what the fuck does this mean? This is like some, some like some double works shit. Like what is this? So I started coming up with little phrases and sayings and, and things that I think about. So I invested $25,000 in my own money. I bought the best equipment that you can buy. And I said, I wanted to make something different. I wanted to be able to add like that, that head has, what does the head have inside of it?
2: Inside. Did
1: I, did I, yeah, I can't what, take what is, my headset off. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I I don't know if I, I like put something like your name or something. I don't know if I did that, but in some cases, in some cases I, I put labels in certain things like if someone their names or, or something like that i'm not sure if, i just probably put a regular tech okay i just put a regular Damn, um,
2: you, you got me excited but
1: yeah well i thought i some sometimes i do that sometimes like some, so say for instance if someone orders something they might say for instance you have a, a a target number and like you might want that on your on your shirt or or whatever i i wanted to create something that that I can make myself something different. I wanted to make what every person that orders. So say for instance, you got that hat. You may be the only person with that green hat with the the black, with the red. Someone else might have the same green hat with the red, with the black. But I wanted, so people could be different. Like I come from an era in New Orleans. The worst thing you could do is be a biter, like copy someone's style. Like that's the worst thing you could do. But in powerlifting, especially in USAPL, a lot of people aren't leaders. Their followers and it's like, oh dude, what what song was Russ listening to when he squatted with his shirt off (laughs) and had his Air Jordan, uh, um, whatever, uh, you know, whatever's on? And I'm sitting up there like, wait, what the fuck does that have to do with life? But I started to realize these these are kids. This is their first time playing sports or being active. So maybe they're not as original as I once thought. So maybe a complete custom company might not be what i should be doing so now i've actually rethought that because making this shit custom takes a long time like I'm, i take a long yeah you're
2: printing everything to order right
1: yeah and it's like it's and then i'm running my sport car collection which is over a million you know there's a lot of shit going on here now and out of <laughs> nowhere because people are spending a lot of money there's a lot of you know you know venture capitalist shit going on here it's like a lot of money being spent so it's like that kind of took over my shit so now i'm like i'm gonna come up with some stuff and that's what it is. Like my bench hub stuff, that's gonna be a staple. People love that shit, and people give you the dirtiest looks wearing it because they're thinking it's porn hub. Bench and hub and it's like oh yeah, they, I love that they <laughs> see it and they're like looking, and it's like, oh shit. I was yeah. like, oh, you next, you know what I'm saying? But that's something <laughs> that I got going. you know, what I'm saying. Um, just just trying to make stuff that's fresh, like something that like I want like bench legend mindset. I've had people tell me. I, can, I wanted to buy it, but I ain't no bench legend. I'm like, you don't see the mindset underneath it. It's the mindset. When you ask a, a great lifter something, like if I was to ask you something about uh, equip deadlift or equip bench or equip squat, I would want to know what's your thought process. I'm not going to want to know what fucking song you're listening to. I want to know, like, what are you thinking? Like, what is your approach? Like, what's the mindset? So I thought making the bench legend mindset would be viewed as people peeking into the mind of a great bencher. People look at like, he think he a GOAT. He think he a bench legend. He's a legend. And it's like, you're missing it. Now, although I do think very highly of myself, but when I thought of (laughs) it, I didn't think people would gravitate to it like that. And some people wear it and they feel insecure about it. Like, hey man, what about something with um, deadlift or squat? My squash trash, and I understand that, and I know that people can say whatever they want about every other lift. Like all these coaches and gurus, all of their benches suck, every last one of them. Sucks. <laughs> and I'm not, and I don't want to say that if you have a 500 pound bench press, your bench press sucks, but your bench press sucks. But if you're trying to, if you're telling me about your coach that coaches you and he telling you X, Y, and Z, you're challenging what I do on my bench. There's no one on earth that could tell me shit about my bench press. And that goes from whatever, because not that I can't learn from someone else, because that's something that I may peep, like someone like that has a great bench or someone like Steve Goggins, who didn't have a great bench. He told me, he said, you're benching too much. And he also gave me the concept of like someone like, uh, I don't want to use his name, but he's extremely swole. If he was six foot tall, he'll probably be 250 pounds. But instead he's an 83 kg lifter. If I would coach him as if I would coach him as if he was a bigger athlete, meaning he wouldn't bench press five days, five days a week, four days a week, he wouldn't do that. I would approach it based on the way he's muscularly built. But since they're, eight, you know, whatever the number is, they bench press five times a week and then everyone else does it, too. So it's like one of those things where sometimes you have to look at how things work. Like I'm three, I'm well, I'm 292 pounds. I'm a pretty fucking lean, 292 pounds. I don't, you can't view me the same way as you view someone else that, cause it looks different on you. I have extremely long arms. It's like a bunch of shit that goes into it. So sometimes I look at people, like I watch people who bench press, they have so much stress on the outside parts of their forearm. And I'm like, if you alleviated that stress just a little bit, that energy would be going upward not in your fucking face. And I watch them (laughs) and I've offered like, hey man, I'm not trying to, you know, tell you, but hey, I'm not telling you to change it, but just change the stress point maybe. The stress point, because you can see it. Like when I watch people bench, I'm literally looking at stress points. Like you can see the bow (laughs) in their form. They're doing this team close grip shit and all this weird shit. And I'm just like, you could just fix that. Learn how to put your wrist wraps on. That is one of the greatest tips I could tell you. Learn to put Yo, your wrist wraps. Yo, raw
2: lifters don't know how to wear wrist wraps. It's Look so guys, funny.
1: World champions. Yeah, they
2: wrap their arm. Yeah, it's so stupid. It's
1: like, like, <laughs> like, you know, like, I, I can't, her name is Kathy. Kathy, she's a IPF judge. Kathy. Kathy Marsteiner.
3: Oh, my God. Oh,
1: my God. She made me re- rewrap my wrists 10 times at Yo, IPF. Three, at, Get the uh, fuck out of uh, here. At Nationals.
3: About. Come on, man. But,
1: now, that might be excessive, <laughs> but what it did was it made me realize I need to be consistent with my raps and I need to know the rules. You know what I'm saying? Like take advantage of the rules that you have. So now I understand what I can get away with, what I can't. And what I'm looking to do is create a spring from when the bar touches my chest to when I accelerate the bar. I don't rest the bar on my chest. I pull the bar on my chest. Some people, they like, so it's not a sink. I'm literally pulling the bar to my chest. I'm not resting the bar and then trying to, you know, jerk up or gear up to lift the weights. I'm extremely tight and I'm pulling the bar. So when you hear me say a death rep, the difference between that and extended pause is the fact that I'm literally pulling the bar against my chest and I'm looking to catapult or starting block the bar off my chest. That's how I'm thinking. It may come off different on camera or what someone else is viewing, but that's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm thinking starting blocks, acceleration, and you know, archery type shit you so know what that's I'm that's,
2: what, that's yeah. the bench legend mindset that's the trick
3: well you know, you're, you're basically what you're saying is is you don't want the bar to crush you and then you just kind of heave it up you're trying to stay tight the whole time yeah, I'm and tight. really I'm ta- right take back. advantage of it right
1: yeah so when people say tight and, and all this kind of weird shit i'm like what are you doing but then you can you can see pauses and weakness and breaks when it happens and it's like when i lift in competition my bench looks completely different and it's like like when I broke the IPF world record, I jumped 40 keys. We jumped from, I, well, I don't know if it's 40, it wasn't 40 keys. I jumped from two 573 to 619. Yeah. I didn't, th- I was hurt. I, I think I got hurt right before it and I I was and uh <laughs> uh Paulie was like, Jason, we're loading the bar with the world record. I was like, 589. He was like, no, six nineteen. I'm like, what? cuz I didn't know the record went up. I thought it was still 607. <laughs> yeah. and he put it on the bar and I got it. And I'm sitting up there like he said, "Jason, I've been watching you train. You doubled 600 for two sets." Pause. Like what are you like No, honestly, it, 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 I was
2: I was surprised because when I watch your training, I'm like, "All right. When he says he does pause bench, it's kind of like touch and go." Pause. Right, and I I talk and, about that too. And it's like six hundred pounds, and I'm like, okay, that's that's sick. You know, I don't bench six hundred pounds. I mean, like, I'm not, but I'm like, but then you go to the meet and you do a comp pause, and you still bench more than you do in the gym. I'm like, damn, that dude peaked because that shit's crazy. Because usually a lot I of think- lift, you you see the raw lifters the way they train now, they they in every lift they lift less in the meet than they do in the gym and i think that's so whack because as equipped lifters we don't do that shit we lift more in the meat always
1: but i think that's like kind of the the one of the things that i learned recently and there's one lifter in particular he's like on fire right now but he gets he gets the bench and he touch and goes all these bench presses and it's kind of weird it's like you should start doing extended pauses and i looked today and he actually was doing extended pauses but um I I, when when I was leading up to IPF Worlds, I was doing heavy doubles. Like I literally did, I did 550 for five and the last one paused. So uh, when I got to 563, I started triples and I would pause the last one. When I got to 585, that was my last triple and I paused the last one. But then I did 585 with my legs up and then jumped to 590 for a double and the last one was paused. And when I jumped to 600, the first set didn't get recorded. I did that like it was nothing on the bar. Both both reps were paused. Then I, I'm sitting up there, I was almost in tears because so I'm like the internet had to see that. And I, <laughs> to- <laughs> I literally, it was almost crying. And I go oh, on my God. house. I'm sitting up there like this is a bitch. Hour goes by. I said the internet got to see me hit 600 for a double. So I load I, No, I didn't even load it back up. The shit was already on the bar. I jump on there and I hit it for a double. It was the second rep was hard. But the first time I did it, I thought I could have done it for four. I put it up and I'm like, I'm about to get ready for IPF worlds. And when I went and took my last bench on Monday, I struggled with 573. And I was like, I'm done. And that's why we took so those jumps were 530, 573, and 573 moved like nothing was on the bar. And then I hit the five six nineteen. Yeah, but-, but that's
2: that's what happens when you do a world meet is like the coach is gonna make sure you win the meet first.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they they did. I, I think I won by I won by like, eighty pounds some shit. But I should I missed twenty one hundred by six inches because I was I was tired breaking a world record. Not the lift itself, but the emotions just got the best. Cause I start I cry a lot, and um, <laughs> I was just, I start thinking about every fail thing that I've done and everything that I'm good at and not great at, and I'm like I finally did it. And then I I just peed the bed when it came to deadlift. I should have been able to pull seven sixty for twenty one oh five, but yeah, you
2: blew it. you blew your load <laughs> on the bench. You blew yeah, your yeah. emotional load. Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: it's getting late, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's Dude, getting late. I man. Bonica, I
2: know, man. I know Bonica. On the way out to Fort Collins, she was like, "Man, when you when you talk to Jay Mike, you're gonna realize that Jay Mike doesn't shut the fuck up." Not so, up. but I was like, "How is Bonica gonna tell me that someone <laughs> talks a lot because Bonica talks a lot?" And we had a podcast with Bonica. It was the same deal. I was like, yo, Bonica is just telling 10 stories in the same breath. This was crazy. But honestly, man, we enjoyed it. I think, like, our listeners are going to enjoy this. These stories are fucking epic. And uh, we're going to see you in Houston.
1: Yeah, yeah, most definitely, man. When y'all come, I'll barbecue for you and shit. You know what I'm saying?
2: Oh yeah, I see Chef J. That's another we didn't even talk about. It. Chef J. Mike is another yeah, yeah, big celebrity. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> this,
0: this has been a long time in the making, man. We've been we've been really excited to talk to you. You know, after yeah. meeting you in Fort Collins, you got hell of a hell of a lot of great stories. You're quite uh, you know, quite an impressive individual, Bo Jack of Bo Jackson man, of table tennis, of billiards, of baseball, basketball, skateboarding, BMX. Trading cards,
2: Pokemon cards. Yo, J. Mike, for real, you got Bitcoin though? Uh,
1: actually, um, man, yeah, I, I don't. But it was a situation where I could have bought in at 20, 28 bucks.
2: Oh, uh, everybody uh, could have bought. I'm no, just no, asking no, you because no, no, you, you have... got all kinds of shit going on. No, no,
1: Honestly, but now actually, it's actually pretty funny with the the, the, the the Pokemon cards and stuff. Um, a lot of a lot of things now are being. They want pe- people who have Bitcoin are trying to buy high-end collectibles and get to the point to where um, they are doing these uh, these group funds where they buy parts of a card. So now you see these Michael Jordan rookie cards worth a million dollars and people own one of it and all this yeah. kind of shit. There's a lot. This shit is going They're putting crazy. it on
0: the blockchain. They're putting Pokemon cards on the blockchain
1: yeah. so you can buy core value.
2: Yeah.
1: I just got into Pokemon and stuff, but this is something that, I, you know, this is the actual next thing. I'm going to give you guys a, a tip. These right here. Now, this isn't the ones per tip uh, specifically, but this right here. I bought this because you guys, you know, from Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Boston. All right, Jersey. Well, this is uh, New York. Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens, 1988 um, starting lineup. This is his That's rookie badass. starting lineup. You Can actually get these still very affordable. These are the next things to pop starting lineups. The one they stopped making them in, um, I think 99 99 2000. the yeah, so yeah, last year, yeah. they start uh, 2001. You can still find these things very cheap. I started buying them, um, uh, very recent, but the, the one of the goats, especially the white goats, um, Larry Bird, his are <laughs> very affordable still. And these are all from 88. And you had Roger Clemens, you had Way Box, but. This is the next thing to blow. I promise you. The, the Kobe Bryants, I have a whole ton of them, but the Kobe Bryants, um, when I first started looking at them at a month ago, you could have bought one for $20. bucks. they are now selling for about 150 to $200. The so Michael Jordan was selling for about 30 $40. they are selling for over $200. That is the next thing if you guys... Uh, Shit, we had into, 10X, so starting our starting lineups. lineups. Yeah, right. starting, I promise, starting lineups. They start, the, Yo, the man, we'll take
2: them, it from you, man.
1: Tell you. Yeah. So, look, we had this talk. People say... They started. 1988 was the first year. The first year for hockey was 1993, um, and all those are very affordable still. But people are coming in with a lot of big. Uh, venture capitalists are coming in with big money. They're spending a lot of money. Um, like I said, you know, I got you know a bunch of cards here, but that is something that if people want to get into, start with the 1988 starting lineups. Buy the ones you can afford. Um, Pro tip for the thirty We yeah,
0: appreciate that little nugget. Of investing. Yeah, yeah. You're just
2: like one I think you might be the most unique dude I ever met. So thanks for talking to us, man.
1: Hey, no problem, man. No problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been great, man. I can't I can't wait to uh you know, catch up in person. Maybe bring a shirt over, do some <laughs> hey, equip benching.
1: Hey, no problem,
2: man. We we could do it. All right. All right, man. Thank you, man. Y'all yeah, have a good cool. night. Good night. All right.
4: Woo.